How's that Lipton? Delicious. Yeah? <laughs> what flavor is it? Uh, it's half and half. Half of what? What is half and half always half and half of? I don't know. I don't drink. Iced tea and lemonade. Oh. It's Wait. Alan Palmer. For what about half and half? Like Land Lakes half and half? That's fucking cream. It's <laughs> <laughs> so creamer. It's, are you sure? Cream sounds very 100% of you. It's fucking creamer for your coffee, bitch. Yeah, it's half and half. I'm not though. sitting here drinking a cup of half and half. Drinking Lipton. Drink half another and half one. Iced tea. Drink another one, you bitch. Oh yeah. oh yeah. This is episode one <laughs> of Mangle Movie Madness. Uh, I'm Tim. I'm Ryan. And we are your hosts. Welcome to this ride. Uh, do we want to introduce ourselves a little, a little more in depth? I guess so. If yeah. they, if they care to know more about ourselves. Yeah. This is a podcast about movies. We watch movies. We basically go into in depth into the backgrounds of the the movie itself, the story, the director, the actors, like everything in between. Any funny stories about the, uh, the about the making of the films or anything like that? Mm-hmm. Uh, we, well, at least I do not have any, I guess, prior experience into the the like any like working within the movie field or film field at all. Mm-hmm. Uh, besides the just me generally like doing photography and stuff like that, so uh, I am nowhere near an expert in any of these things. I'm not a reporter. We're more like fans a, than yeah, anything. Just talking fans. about the movies that we like, uh, but also at the same time talking about uh, films that we haven't seen before, yeah. uh, like this first film that we'll talk about, Crossroads. I come from a background of media, specifically in video and audio. And we're both on the radio. I am a, a certified radio DJ um, at a station here. <laughs> Location <laughs> withheld. You sound uh, like you sound like you're an EDM artist. I'm a professional DJ. Yeah, yeah. I've done <laughs> short films. <laughs> I, Ryan and I are both co-hosts to a, a show called uh, Rock Retrospective. With if, which, if you're coming from that, uh, hi, welcome. Thank you guys it's for us. Uh, giving this a listen if you did switch over. Absolutely. Um, and we do that show. It's a Sunday show where we talk about music because uh, we uh, like a lot of the same things. Ryan and I have been friends for oh, man. S- five years, six years. I think like five and a half years. Five and a half years? Yeah. Coming up on six, right? Because I got to think, think so. like, what was the first day of sophomore year of high school? Uh, when was 2013? Six years. It'll yeah, be six, six years. years. Okay. Yeah. We're good at see this is a friend. We're, we're good at, we're good at I mean, knowing how long you you remember it more than me, but yeah, I mean I remember I guess the day more than you. <laughs> Both wore motionless and white tees, and that was it. But we like our metal music and our punk music and our rock music. We do. But we like video games and we like movies and we talk a lot about movies. We uh, 
follow movies very closely. Like, for example, uh, this is totally going to date the first episode, but we have been following that Child's Play reboot that's been out uh, for about a couple weeks now. Oh, I know. Since the, uh, like, since like November, since the stirs of yeah, uh, a reboot of a film that was done against the wills of the director. Oh man, uh, he he fought so hard to get that like to have that film not be made. Yeah, yeah. Uh, but you know, money says otherwise. Yeah, <laughs> corporate filmmaking. Yeah, uh, we haven't seen it yet, but we still have been like looking forward to to seeing it. And I know. there's a bunch of it's right now. It's you know it's July uh, and it's a great month for the movies that are out right now. Uh, Lion King is out, uh, which I've been hearing mixed reviews about. I, a friend just told me that it was, they liked it better than the animated one, yeah. uh, which is interesting. And I, I have been a fan of this movie yeah, because I really liked its casting. I haven't seen it yet. Can't say anything final until I've, I've seen it. Uh, but I, I saw I, somebody I, online make what I thought was kind of a good point is that a lot of people that are disappointed with the movie, like, you had to go into it understanding that this is a movie you've seen a million times before. Mm-hmm. You've already seen this movie. Yeah. It just happens to look a little different. But, yeah. like, everyone's like, oh, it's man, Lion like King. Yeah, it's Lion King. Yeah. The only like, orig- And they've been doing this for years now. Like, yeah. the only one that's been variably different was Christopher Robin, mm-hmm. who kind of taught, like, or told its old. Uh, oh, my God. Just Jesus. Point fuck. Of view, uh, it, it told its own story. But, uh,. I'm I'm slurring my words all over the place. It's like the show. <laughs> it's like the normal show. But we we both like movies. We both like watching movies. I go to the theater a lot, and especially now since uh, I've basically been catching up on this year's films because there was a whole gap from January to basically April where I didn't see anything. I need to go to the theater more by myself. I saw Spider-Verse last November, and then the next movie I would see would be Avengers Endgame. Uh, opening night which mm-hmm. is all that's like almost five months that's yeah. that's like almost half a year of yeah. movies that i completely missed their theatrical runs so but we we like the new movies and we also like the old movies so the way that this uh the way that we have this structured we want to do uh four movies per month and there's typically there's like five yeah uh of movies or there's there's five there's five weeks in a month sometimes yeah. sometimes on saturdays uh and we'll upload on every Saturday up until we got like to the fourth Saturday Mm -hmm. and we're going to do a different theme every month and coming immediately from the show that we've been doing for uh, a year, almost a year and a half now is the theme is movies that are about not necessarily the musicians, uh, but they're about the music fan, right? Yeah. We thought that that would be a good switch over necessarily from something uh, that we're like, it's something that we're already we're going into territory that we're already familiar with. Yeah, we're well versed in the topic of being like general music fans. Mm-hmm. Uh, the general, I, we, the movie, which we'll get into when we talk actually about the movie that we watched, Crossroads. The reason why we chose that movie was because of typically the 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 background story of Robert Johnson and the how it really has a lot of influence in just the rock and roll music genre in general, which we do a radio show for. There's a place where deals are made and legends are born. And there was a kid they called Lightning Boy. He was searching for the lost song. You could be the first man to record it. For a piece of fame and fortune. Like Clapton did with Crossroads, Rolling Stones did it with Love and Vain. 
and he was looking to get him there. Welcome to Bruceville, son. This is the real thing. This ain't no book. Lightning Boy and Blind Dog. What the hell are you guys supposed to be, huh? We're both blues players. Well, I'm the blues man. He's from Long Island. All I need is a Mississippi string tie. I'm ready to roll. Yeah, you need a lot more than that. You know, the owner walked up to Willie, gave him three $100 bills, and says your boy can play. Only one blues man in town tonight. It was me. No, I choke you. You do, and you get knocked on your There's a place where deals are made. And you made your deal at the crossroads. Yeah, I made a deal. Oh, I get it. You want some kind of contest, huh? Real smart boys. Where a thin line separates the good. I'm giving you all the magic I got from the great. Willie Brown sent me. Eugene Martone is ready to cross it. Something that I found uh, not only with this movie, but also some of the picks later on in this month, which we'll talk about the next next week's show. These movies tend to have a blend of fact and fiction, especially in this case with Robert Johnson, because Robert Johnson is is a, a blues legend that I honestly didn't know of until we started talking about Crossroads. Yeah. We will be going uh, part by part. So like Ryan said, we're going to be talking about all these different kinds of things, and we'll have them uh, in little transitional categories. Who worked on the movie? Who was casted in the movie? Yeah. Who did the soundtrack to the movie? And then miscellaneous, or any 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 other things that are uh, super, super important. Yeah. And then we'll actually talk about the film. So why don't we just start with the director, producer, and writer? <laughs> yeah, let's do it, man. All right, here we go. And rolling sound. Quiet. Here we go. Ready? Speed. Ready. One twenty-six seven. Ready. And starting right on the lens. Ready. And and action. So looking at the director uh, and all of the people on hand, uh, we start off with Walter Hill. Walter yep. Hill is the the sole director of this film. So uh, starting off, this movie came out in nineteen eighty-six, mm-hmm. March fourteenth. Directed by Walter Hill and written by John Fusco. I think that's how you pronounce his name. Mm-hmm. Fusco, Fusco. I think it's Fusco. Fusco. F-U-S-C-O. Yeah. That sounds like a New York Italian. <laughs> you yeah. know what I mean? It sounds like a like a soda, like an off-brand soda you would find at like a convenience store yeah. in New York. Yeah, 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 yeah. Born in Long Beach, worked in oil drilling, and then became an assistant director in 1967. And he has worked on like directing films since about 1975. Mm-hmm. He still he still lives <laughs> to this day. He is still alive, uh, unlike some people who have worked on this movie. <laughs> yeah, and we'll we'll get to that. So he has 25 credits as a director. Most recently is The Assignment. Uh, this is a movie with uh, Sigourney Weaver and I believe Michelle Rodriguez. Mm-hmm. So he's actually really, I guess, worked on a ton of the uh, the Aliens movies. Yeah, uh, some of them, most of them, as a producer. He uh, was actually apparently originally supposed to direct the first Alien movie. Mm-hmm. I forget what happened that he, for some reason, I guess, just didn't work out, or they just ended up going with somebody else just because they found the fir- Wait, the first Alien. He was supposed to direct Alien. Yeah. That ended up becoming Ridley Scott. Yeah. Holy crap! That's a. Because he produced. That's, a, <laughs> that's some. Uh, that could have changed his career around. I mean, yeah. not that he hasn't done anything because he has. We're actually going to talk about this two 
uh, movies I want to talk about in his director credit mm-hmm. that are uh, really good. Because he produced uh, Aliens in 1986. Mm-hmm. Um, and he's he's worked on a lot of the Aliens movies in the franchise. Aliens 3, Aliens Covenant, Aliens vs. Predator, Aliens vs. Predator Requiem. Uh, he was also... <laughs> I forgot there was a sequel. Yeah, he also worked on the uh aliens colonial marines video game. no I, I, I all right all right all right so this game sucks ass <laughs> this is i've never played it known i love it oh really it's broken it so here's the uh, this is this is a video game thing but i'll be very very quick with this right randy pitchford at gearbox uh who developed this game gearbox uh are you familiar with gearbox yeah okay so they these did, are uh, skate no, that was Black Box. That was EA Black Box. I oh, know you're right. No, uh, no. Gearbox is Borderlands. Okay, yeah. So Gearbox. So what happened is there was a lawsuit. All of this stuff because like, oh, Aliens Columbia completely just missed the mark, allegedly from people that worked on the project and all of this. Randy Pitchford took money from the Aliens license that was supposed to be used to make Colonial Marines to put into Borderlands Two DLC. Oh, which okay. is why it's bad <laughs> because they they didn't have money left. So also another part that's bad is someone misspelled the word tether in the coding. And because they spelled it incorrectly as compared to tether being spelled in uh different in previous codes. Yeah. That's why the AI is all crazy and not like working properly because of because of because of the letter A. Oh it's either A or E. It was one of those two letters. So people actually have been figuring out if you go into the code, fix it, spell it correctly, works fine. Still kind of a piece of shit game. But the thing about it being so broken that I love is it's multiplayer. Yeah. Because it's multiplayer, you're just basically walking up. Because you can play a soldier. It's soldiers versus Xenos. Mm-hmm. But walk as a Xenomorph, you like you're crawling and, and shit. No, I, I did not. Cause, no, because I have it on uh, PS3. Oh, okay. So like this is for this this you can fix it for PC. Uh, there is a boss that is ridiculously fucking difficult in the campaign mode that isn't supposed to be as hard as it is, mm-hmm. but because of like shit, in, it, it just all it's it's a complete fucking mess. And the way that you can actually fix this, the the way to make it easier, the way to get past that boss battle, if you absolutely cannot beat this, like chapter six or something, you're fighting like the bull alien essentially. Yeah. Is you uninstall the patch for the game, and you play its original vision. Oh man! The boss fight is easier, and then you can install the patch to play multiplayer. Oh, okay. So they added multiplayer later. No, 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 no. Or... If you don't have the current version, just network services typically oh, don't yeah, work. Yeah. But I, I love that game. I actually really, really do. It's my. I wouldn't call it guilty pleasure because I don't feel guilty. Yeah. Like I, lo- I like. I like the multiplayer. It's fun because it's just wonky and awkward, but it's still fun to play because there is actually like a dedicated group of like 60 people that play it on like the PS3. <laughs> so, you know, I, I are you part of that dedicated Absolutely. <laughs> Come find me on PS3. I won't tell you what my thing is, though. <laughs> what my PSN is. You just search through 60 people in that game. Yeah. <laughs> if you can find them all at once, <laughs> I might be one of them. Uh, but it's it's a lot of fun. So. Uh, that's crazy, though, that he like was supposed to be the original director and that he's had such a significant hand in not only the movies, but also the media outside of it. I know. And honestly, it's crazy how much of uh, a connection he has to the horror world. 
Yeah. And being a, I mean, I guess it kind of fits with the whole like story background of Robert Johnson. It's not like scary or anything like that, or like particularly has anything related to do with like a the horror genre. But I guess the the kind of creepiness around like the general story kind of fits with that. So maybe that experience into that world maybe helped him a bit. Maybe, maybe. So I want to talk about two notes, uh, two 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 movies of note that Walter Hill is credited as a director for. One of these is The Warriors. Mm-hmm. The Warriors. Have you seen The Warriors? I have not seen The Warriors. Warriors. I, I'm familiar with the movie. Warriors is sick. <laughs> Warriors <laughs> is like, I want to say it's like, you got all right. You got West Side Story. Mm-hmm. You have Escape from New York. Mm-hmm. Then you have a middle ground. There's war- <laughs> there's warriors because you got your like there's gang stuff happening. Yeah, but they're like dumb gimmick gangs. They're almost like Dead Rising esque. Like you got like. I think I read somewhere that it was baseball supposed dudes. to be a, like a trilogy or something. Yes, yeah. yes, yes. Uh, and there's also a Warriors video game which came out like way later. I don't know why. I have not played that. Uh, I am a big fan. I have not seen Warriors in a long time. I've seen it once. Yeah. And it was it was probably in like 2011 or 2012. Maybe that'll be a movie that we watch. Uh, That's a good one. For the show. That's a really good one. It has that very, very famous scene of the dude with the three fingers in the Coca-Cola bottles going, oh, Warriors. Okay. That's at the end of the movie. I have seen that that scene. Yeah. Uh, they're all trying to go after them. It's mm. it's like uh, it's like It's like Outsiders. Not really. It's not like the Outsiders at all. I'm just saying shit. <laughs> the other one. Speaking of the Outsiders. Yeah. Oh Ralph, yeah. Ralph Macchio. Ralph Macchio is in this, and we we will talk about that once we get to the full casting. Uh, the other movie that I just really wanted to briefly just say this is something he directed, which is really really fun movie, is actually the last movie he directed before Crossroads, which is Brewster's Millions with Richard Pryor. Oh okay. Yeah, dude. Have you seen that? I've seen bits and pieces of it because I think my dad was watching it one time. That is a really, really fun plot. Mm. Um, but that's a that's a great movie. That's a, a recommended watch, especially if like you're a fan of like comedians pre-1990. Richard Pryor's up there. And was he the director for that? Yes. Okay. Yes, he was. Um, that was the last movie he did before Crossroads. Um, we are looking now at the writer. John Fusco or... Fusco. John Fusco. Fusco. Is that where we're we going to say Fusco? Are we? <laughs> Fus- we got to. Fusco's writing. Fusco. <laughs> writing for Fusco. We got to fucking decide on it now, Tim. Okay. Is it Fusco? Fusco. Okay. Fusco. Fusco. John oh. Fusco. The John writer Fusco. of this movie. Mm-hmm. Uh, he's also the writer and producer for The Babe, which came out in 1992. It's about Babe Ruth. Yeah. Uh, he was the writer for Young Guns, which came out in nineteen or nineteen eighty eight. Oh my God, Young Guns! <laughs> yeah, uh, he was the writer for that uh, Spirit Stallion animated horse movie. Yeah, two thousand two. I've never. I've only. It's usually just referred to as Spirit. I've never actually seen the subtitles uh, Stallion of the Cimarron. Yeah, Cimarron. Oh, Cimarillion. I was thinking of Lord of the Rings. <laughs> Um, he was also the writer for The Forbidden Kingdom, 2008, and Hidalgo in 2004. Hidalgo. Hidalgo. Uh, apparently he was a high school dropout. Nice. <laughs> <laughs> you do it, man. You stick it to the man. You write and he, a movie. Uh, he traveled to become a blues musician. and uh, oh, He's perfect for this movie. Then he went to night school, got a GED, uh, and most of the stuff... 
is uh, pretty uh, foreshadowing for the movie that you'd be in. So I think or involved that, uh, in for writing, especially. This is basically a John Fusco half documentary. Yeah, biography. What the fuck do you call them? He wanted to write a movie about you know a blues musician, but wanted to make a story that included that history and story of Robert Johnson, but mm-hmm. also turned it into like a completely new way of telling it. I agree. I'm not sure how familiar people were back in the 80s with Robert Johnson or that story at all. But I mean, I wasn't familiar with him until three weeks ago. <laughs> yeah, but, you know. Yeah, it's true. The producer of Crossroads was Mark Carliner, who uh, is, he pretty much has one other credit to a movie which is a movie called viva max in 1969 mm-hmm. other than that uh it looks like he produced and executive produced mostly tv series and tv movies yeah we were talking about that you think you said that he did uh, the production for the tv movie of the shining it looks I yeah the think, 1997 uh, which i think was directed by mick garris was it now mick garris Woo. three episodes 19 yeah all, all three episodes i knew it what is your favorite mick garris thing Mine is Critters. Mick Harris is the guy that created, uh, oh, what's that show called? Masters of Horror. That when that was that was a TV show. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. From like the the mid aughts, right? Yeah, yeah. I like uh, I like Critters too. He also did the sequel to The Fly. Yeah, yeah. And Ghost and Host. Ghost host. Ghost host. <laughs> Fear Itself, the TV series, Postmortem with Mick Garris. That's a great podcast. Oh, it's a podcast. Okay. By jo- the way, Joe Dante. <laughs> Joe Dante, Rob Zombie, John Carpenter, John Landis. Anybody that likes horror movies, you should definitely Toe check out that Hooper. podcast. Postmortem with Mick Oh, Garris. man. This is a great Robert England and Wes Craven. Oh, yeah. Dude, That's he's a great director. Nice, dude. And writer. That being said, let's move on to casting. Shall we? Let's do it. All right. You already know, guys. Ralph Macchio, your boy. Ralph Macchio. The karate kid himself. So how (laughs) old is he in this movie? How old is his character supposed to be? Or is... How old is uh, what is what is Ralph Macchio's age? I think he point? said he was seventeen. He was seven because okay. in that scene when he is with the girl, uh, or when they meet that girl in the uh, the house when they're getting out of the rain, I think when they introduce themselves, he said he was seventeen. He said he was seventeen then. Uh, he was born in nineteen sixty one. He was fifty seven. He's fifty seven now. Uh, and this movie came out. So I'm doing. I'm doing quick maths. Quick maths. Uh, Eighty six minus sixty one. He was that. And this is the part that I don't want to believe because he's so clean shaven. Yeah. Is Ralph? He's twenty five. In, in what in the movie? In, no, I mean well, his character. Like he. Hit the actor like as an actor, he might have been twenty five, but I think in the movie he's supposed to be seventeen. No, 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 no. He is seventeen in the movie. I'm saying oh, okay. in in real life years, he was twenty five. This that man movie? is twenty five. Are you kidding me? I he I looked thirteen. He looked younger than seventeen. He looked thirteen. Yeah, I mean, I guess but I also buy it because then, and if he was seventeen, then he would probably be like just cracking his forties, or yeah. even maybe his early to mid forties at this point. That's well, yeah. I mean, usually 
when you have actually even nowadays. Now, actually, he'd like be cracking old, his fifties if it was seven years younger. Even nowadays, when you have uh, like a younger actor or I mean a younger character that needs to be portrayed in a movie, they'll usually pick a slightly older actor. Well, how many movies have you seen of the thirty-five-year-old high schooler? <laughs> you know, and the eighties uh, and nineties produced plenty of those. Yeah, bro. I mean, hell, Hannah uh, <laughs> Montana. What was it? The guy that played her brother was like oh god, thirty years old, yeah. thirty-two years old when he was playing her, like. 16-year-old brother. I, yeah. That's why I will never shave my beard, because I am going to look like someone who was on Hannah Montana. Oh, bro, you've already seen me with my facial hair. I have. And I look 12. I have. Keep that shit on your face, dude. Every teenager he, is played by a 30-year-old. Pretty, yeah, pretty much. It just happens to look youthful. It's been a while since I've seen a Ralph Macho movie. It's been a while since I've seen OG Karate Kid. He's got that New York mook accent going strong in this movie. Well, I mean, his character, doesn't he, like, come from New York? Yeah, he's from, like, Brooklyn. Yeah. He's, what, uh, uh, what is he, uh, the, the blues man from Brooklyn, right? Yeah. Yeah, right. Laughs at him. Yeah, I, I, I love that. So, um, moving on, so Ralph plays Eugene Martone, uh, the main protagonist of the movie uh, otherwise known as as lightning boy as lightning boy. has been deemed later on in the film uh doesn't he call himself lightning boy though yeah he calls himself lightning boy <laughs> he, <laughs> he deems gave, himself he gave lightning himself a boy. nickname yeah 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 because he, he's a whiz on the blues guitar yeah uh, but this other guy thinks otherwise my personal favorite character in this movie uh willie brown played by joe seneca yeah, that apparently, like, that was everybody's favorite character in the movie. It God, seems like everybody was praising him in the reviews. Is He's incredible in this. He I really, great. really, like, I was, because he's, he's kind of the one that you're cheering on. Yeah. And then at the same time, like, he's just an absolute bastard to, like, these kids. It's kind of understandable with, like, what's going on with his character in the movie. It's almost like he's an he's a, you know he's an old bastard or whatever. He uh, doesn't know how to really handle these kids and being around them. He's been cooped up in a retirement home for God knows how long. Yeah, um, hates it. He nobody. Hates it. He's always he's been hiding his identity from basically everybody. Or I guess not necessarily hiding his identity, but like his past necessarily. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, he doesn't know how to deal with these kids, and it's just it's it's like. With the trials that he's facing in his own life, it's like now I have to deal with these two seventeen-year-olds, <laughs> right? Who I like I, but I'm putting up with that because they're getting me to to where I need to go. Yeah, to Missouri. Missouri. Uh, to, is it Missouri? It was Missouri. I think it's Missouri. 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 <laughs> Missouri. <laughs> John Seneca was born in 1919, January 14th, in Cleveland. Uh, he died hey, in New York City. Ohio. August 15th, 1996. Besides playing Willie Brown in Crossroads, the next most uh, memorable role, it seems, that he played was Dr. Meadows in The Blob. Oh, nice. So, which is interesting. Uh, that that's Oh, that is a... I know that there was another somewhere, I guess another one of the either actors or someone else connected to the movie that was also in another horror movie. Mm-hmm. He was in a bunch of other stuff as well. He was in an episode of Doogie Howser where it was a, uh, it was about blues. He was a guy named Blind Otis Lemon. Uh, the episode was titled uh, "Doogie Sings the Blues." Uh, of course, he did the Blob. He did, uh, and he actually does play the harmonica. 
Yeah, yeah, that is true. Uh, Although I did find out actually that the guy, the character that he portrays in the movie, uh, Willie Brown, mm-hmm. like the real Willie Brown, he didn't play harmonica. He played a guitar. He was he played pretty much like Robert Johnson did. Yeah, like exactly like it. Another one that I actually think is really fun is I don't know if you've seen the music video for Michael Jackson's "The Way You Make Me Feel." Or uh, if it's been a while. So. It's been a while, uh, but I feel like I've seen it. He's the old man in that music video. <laughs> oh, nice. So, uh, yeah, he got around in the 80s. He was also in Kramer versus Kramer. <laughs> well, that's another thing. Um, I I absolutely man, love Michael him. Jackson music video. I that's think, crazy. Right? Right? Actors in music videos. That's not a thing you see. Well, that's a lie. You see other artists who then get acting gigs in music videos. But I wonder like what connected him to, or like why Michael Jackson specifically picked him or I don't know. I don't know. That uh credit comes before both The Blob and Crossroads. So I I I don't know. I'm not sure. Maybe but they're just friends. Um Joe Seneca is great. I did I was I saying John Seneca earlier cuz I meant John to say John. Joe. I feel like I've been saying John, but regardless. Maybe I'm not 100% sure. Uh J- Joe Seneca we definitely need to try more movies with him in it. Uh, hopefully ones that we can find with major roles because I really, really liked his performance. And oh, I yeah. want to see if there are more movies uh, where he, he gives performances he that also did, uh, completely like affect how I see characters because I was like – I was cheering for Willie Brown the whole time. He hasn't done too many movies with like I guess major roles. Uh, he had The Blob – and then another movie called Silverado, mm-hmm. which I'm not 100% sure what that movie's about. Mm-hmm. Uh, he, al- he also goes by the name Blind Dog in the movie. Willie Brown, Blind Dog. Blind Dog, yep. yep. The, he goes, you're you're the Blind Dog, right? He's like, I hear nothing about no Blind Dog. I don't know what you're talking about. The third protagonist of this film is one Jamie Gertz, who plays the... Runaway slash love interest. I don't remember her ever giving her uh, last name, but I know. Her no, it was name just was Frances. Frances. Yeah. yeah. Now she was actually she's actually been in quite a bit of stuff herself. <laughs> yeah, she was in Twister. She yeah, she was in Twister. She, she won a Razzie. She won a Razzie for Twister for really? worst supporting actress. <laughs> oh, that's awesome. Is um, it? <laughs> I mean, yeah. I mean, okay. Honestly, if you're an actor, you want a Razzie. Worst. worst or I guess one of those awards for like being like the worst actor in a movie or something like that. Mm-hmm. That's honestly, that'd be pretty cool to get. I guess. Cause being literally voted the worst actor in a movie. Mm-hmm. Come on. That's gotta be a little fun. Like, like if, especially if you're, you're not there to accept it though, who was that one actress that won a award for being the worst actor, like having the worst performance in a movie and the best performance in a movie like all within the same year oh god uh, uh i remember that whatever movie it was was like super super polarizing yeah i'm gonna say it was rob schneider norman the north <laughs> that's rob a lie schneider. that's a lie no one likes norman the north except me jamie gertz is also in uh, the lost boys one of my favorite movies that is a good one that is and a good one 16 candles yeah uh she played a minor character in that movie that one has is that the one? No, that's Pretty in Pink. Sorry, I'm getting my Molly Ringwald movie confused. <laughs> and I was like, is that the one with uh, young John Cryer, <laughs> who's like the best part of that movie? That's Pretty in Pink. She uh, kind of had that Joe Seneca energy, or, or the Willie Brown energy, where yeah, you want her cool. to succeed with them, but also she clearly has her own intentions in mind, yeah. which you kind of see going towards the end of the movie around the third act, the beginning of the third act. 
uh, you see when that that change happens, and at the end of the day, you remember, up oh, people are in it for themselves. They got to continue on. So, especially since it's like basically about his journey of becoming a blues man, and like they say in the movie, like you're not a true blues man until you've like lost the girl that you really love or something like that. You know <laughs> what I mean? It's uh, it adds to that. I guess that. That sorrow in your soul. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. So we're going to talk about... that's the Those are the main three characters. We're going to talk about three more characters in this film. Three more uh, important characters. So Robert Judd plays basically your big bad of the movie, Scratch, mm-hmm. who doesn't really actually show up until about half quarter to a halfway through Act 3. Yep. Uh, but they allude to him. So you were telling me a little bit about the name Scratch. Yeah, so in the movie, um, so I guess to go into a little bit about the backstory of what the movie's about, uh, the story of Robert Johnson is he was a famous blues singer back in the 20s and I think 30s. I'm not sure exactly the year that he died. I think he died at the age of 27, which I think I'm not 100% sure, but he was either one of the first members or maybe the first member of the 27 Club. But, um, yes, <laughs> uh, I looked it up. He did die at 27. I don't actually know if he is associated with the 27 club. I can look that up real fast. I know that they have him in the 27 club, although I don't know whether or not he was like, well, cause around that time they didn't have like the 27 club. That was something they just came up with later when, you know, it started to become a trend to die at 27 as a musician or an actor or whatever. Right. But, uh, right. Uh, okay. So he is. A, he is uh, in the 27 Club. He is not the first. He is the third. Okay. They think the most probable cause of his death was that he was poisoned, although they're not 100% sure. Right. Some people say that he might have been actually like straight murdered, right? Yeah. So uh, Robert Johnson, famous blues musician, uh, he is a huge influence to a lot of modern-day guitar players and just blues players, rock and roll players, every, like a bunch of people in general all across the board. Mm-hmm. Um, he, the story goes basically is that he went to the crossroads one night and sold his soul to the devil to basically become an amazing guitar player. Mm-hmm. And, um, this story follows, uh, Ralph Macchio, AKA lightning, lightning boy. boy, lightning boy, <laughs> uh, AKA Eugene. <laughs> <laughs> I see why he wanted a cool name. Yeah. He uh, doesn't look like no Italian kid from New York is named Eugene unless you're the kid on Hey Arnold. I don't know, 1980s. But he's like super is, white. <laughs> was Eugene a popular name in the 1980s? I don't think so. I think that's more of a get well, your ass kicked born, on the playground, Eugene. He was pocket born protectors and Cassio calculators. <laughs> get out of here, Eugene. Well, I mean, he I guess he was kind of a nerd. He that took classes at uh, Juilliard. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you want to talk about the Juilliard thing? Oh, yeah. So the in the movie, uh, he, Ralph Macchio takes classes at Juilliard for a classical guitar. But this is a music the, school, a real music school. Yeah, it's a real music school. Um, but they did at the time of filming, they actually did not offer classical guitar classes at Juilliard. <laughs> <laughs> the movie's got to be in this fictional universe where the devil is portrayed by Robert Judd and <laughs> Juilliard. Those are like that's the Mandela effect when the dimensions crosses. The only two differences: Robert Judd is Satan, and. <laughs> Julia teaches classical guitar. That's the thing, though, is in the movie, they never actually explicitly say that he is Satan. They just call him Scratch or Old Scratch or whatever. 
which Old Scratch is actually another name for the devil, which was, you know, popularized in the South and, uh, like, generally where this movie kind of takes place. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I think that was used sort of maybe to connect it more to the, like, the feeling and vibe of the time period in which, I guess, Willie came from and just, like, the feeling of the South and, like, that, I don't know, that culture and history yeah. there. Instead of using just the name the devil or Satan or whatever, just kind of connect it more to that time period. Yeah, yeah. Crazy teeth, that man. I know. Crazy He teeth. has the creepy... Okay, if anybody just wants to look up a picture of, like, Robert Judd... Wow, his Wikipedia is his... Smile? Smile from the Crossroads, mi- yeah. Oh, yes. Oh, that is oh, awesome. That oh, is he a, has the best smile, and oh, he has, like, the creepiest finally. eyes, too. All his pictures are from I Crossroads. Bet you, I bet you that... Well, yeah, he's only done, like, two movies. Then he died. Yeah. He died before Crossroads. That's released, a shame, unfortunately. yeah. Unfortunately. January 20th, 1986, about just under two full months. Yeah. Oh, yeah, a.k.a. Legba. Oh, yeah, didn't he have a uh, a different name in the beginning of the movie than Scratch or something like that? They call him Legba, didn't he? Legba? I thought it was Legba. Legba. Yeah, I know that. I don't know about Legba in terms of connections to like the name no. or whatever, but I know that Scratch is definitely another alternative name used for the devil. Could have been his last name. I don't know. Maybe, Maybe. the last name of the character portrayed. I don't know. Scratch Legba. Scratch Legba, bro. <laughs> <laughs> so we don't see him till, like I said, in and around the towards the uh, middle point of Act 3, towards the climax, the final battle of Crossroads. Yes. But what we do, uh, who we do see kind of acting on his behalf, the uh, essentially the devil's assistant, uh, Joe Morton, who plays Scratch's assistant. This yep. is the guy who, uh, in the movie, where Robert Johnson and also Willie Brown in a uh, flashback vignette, he is the one pulling up to the car saying like oh he do you want to sign this contract to get a big deal play music play blues music he's the one basically that does all the the contact with people like out in reality Mm -hmm. um and it seems like scratch kind of stays back and just kind of gives out the orders or you know whatever Mm -hmm. uh kind of controls everything from behind the scenes i i liked from what little we saw of him because he didn't he's also present in the third act but he doesn't really do a whole lot in comparison, mm-hmm. um, but I was a big I was a big fan of his delivery. Uh, he he ha- he really he's from New York as well, so he was born in uh, 1947. Um, and his most recognizable role is uh, allegedly uh, a movie called "The Brother from Another Planet." <laughs> <laughs> the the IMDb. Brief synopsis is a mute alien with the appearance of a black human is chased by outer space bounty hunters through the streets of Harlem. Oh man, so it's basically wait, why is this it... is from 1984 and this movie is from the Netherlands? Does it have the word brother in it just because he's African American? Supposed oh, to be African American, absolutely. <laughs> I, I would not doubt that. Uh, he is in Terminator 2. Oh, really? Who does uh, he play? He's Miles Dyson. Miles Dyson, his middle name is Bennett. He's Benny. 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 Screw you. <laughs> so that's I, I love with the drill. I yeah. love that. That scene I love. Because I think I just think it's funny Arnold saying that yeah. as a Terminator. But uh that is that is the same guy. That's uh Joe Morton. So Scratch's assistant 
just a couple of years later would uh, get drilled in the in the stomach. I got I got kids to feed, right? And then he definitely uh, he went up in the world. He be, he joined the ranks of Terminator. And then yeah, he he he. Wait, he was the devil's metaphorical the metaphorical devil's assistant, and then he got killed by a Terminator. Is that a step up or a step down? You, but he got to be in Terminator. Is the Terminator an angel? <laughs> Is the Terminator an angel? <laughs> I don't know how I feel about the fact that Terminator basically, like, I don't know. He's a a machine that's been created by machines that looks like a human mm-hmm. to go back in time to <laughs> stop people from coming, from trying to stop the machines <laughs> that humans <laughs> You're saying stop too much, and that's that's... Stop. <laughs> it's, it's it's a lot to take in. I know. He's a robot, man. Yeah. The only required Terminator watching is really his Terminator Salvation. <laughs> oh, my gosh. <laughs> Which is the worst one. Yeah. Because I've seen neither. <laughs> I haven't seen Genesis or Salvation. I've I kind of do want to see Dark Fate. I haven't seen Dark Fate. I think I've seen It Genesis hasn't come out yet, I don't think. I think I've seen Genesis and Salvation. Ugh. I I I've seen a lot of them, and most of it has been like I don't know because someone just randomly had the movie and we're like, oh, I just watch this, or like it was on like an airplane or something. Yeah, I will say the Terminator arcade game is better than both of those movies, and I haven't seen either of them, but I I'm confident enough in saying that. Just like the Aliens uh, arcade game, the Aliens uh, rail shooter is he better than Covenant? And wait, Covenant was the new one. <laughs> Prometheus, shit, whatever. Speaking of Prometheus, Walter was also a producer on that. I want to say was he just the not Ridley Scott of the on on all the Alien movies? The guy who wasn't Ridley Scott who was on everything, basically second in command. That's how you do it, man. There you go. If you can't if you can't take control of the series, or as if you can't kick off the series with your own amazing movie, then you can take control of the series later on. Yeah, that's true. Uh, Dr. Houston Brooks. So this is an early, uh, this is a, not an early one. This is a super, super later, like where we are at now. Uh, currently, and I actually, I've seen this movie twice in the past, I guess, month or two months. Because uh, it just came out. But apparently he plays the character of Dr. Houston Brooks in Godzilla and Godzilla King of the Monsters. I still and have, I have not to seen Godzilla King of the Monsters. I've seen Godzilla though. From a fan of kaiju movies, it's very good. I've, that's what you were telling me. Um, Is he still ripped? He was never ripped. He's fat. Oh no, he he was pretty ripped. He's like fat <laughs> he's ripped. Like, he's ripped Godzilla, bro. He almost had. A, he basically had a six pack. Yeah, but he he got thick ass legs. So he's Th- a giant he's a thunder lizard. thighs, bro. A giant lizard does not look need how a six fucking, pack. Look how slim and fit he was in the eighties, and then the heroin <laughs> happened. Then he got those crazy cartoon eyes, and he started doing the drop kick where he flew on his tail, and then he did the thing where he used his flame breath to just fly around the world. (laughs) And then he had to fight a robot version of himself. Yeah. The last cast here, Steve Vai. (laughs) I know, bro. Steve Vai. Plays Jack Butler? Not Steve Vai. I thought he would be self-credited. for some reason. Uh, I thought he was going to be self-credited. I did not realize he had a name. Jack Butler. Yep. Because I don't remember them ever saying Jack Butler in the Well, because you can't just be like, 
look at my guy that sold his soul to the devil to get all those to get his amazing guitar skills, Steve Vai. Ladies and gentlemen, Steve Vai's out of the building without a soul. Yeah. <laughs> uh, he, After the movie, he's like, "No, I really did sell my soul to the devil for my guitar skills." So Steve Vai um, is the—he's basically the final boss, sort of. He's like the boss battle for oh, what's Act it, what's three. what's Steve Vai's equivalent of like a video game. Uh, Steve Vai in Guitar Hero? <laughs> is he in Guitar Hero? I don't think so, but like, who's like the hardest guy to fight in Guitar Hero? Just replace with Steve do, Vai. Do you fight people in Guitar Hero? Yeah, you have, uh... They just played shows. No, you have guitar battles with famous people like uh, Tom Morello. Oh, really? I didn't even know they did that. Yeah. yeah it's people... been a long time since I played a Guitar Hero game. Yeah, me too. Were you a rock band or a guitar hero. I had both. You had both. Yeah. I have band hero, <laughs> which is <Band was>, <laughs> which was the it was the it was the the first guitar hero game that had all the instruments. Yeah, but I just think it's funny now. That I think about it. it's just they just put the two fucking names together. Uh, I preferred. Uh, I played. It sounds like dollar store generic off brand. Yeah, like band hero. hero. Yeah, like the mobile game equivalent. Do you remember the fucking DS game? The kid that they make fun of because he's got the stupid broken guitar piece, and it's like, look at him. He's got. It's like band the Mad hero. Cats, like the the like third party controller yeah. with the Cheeto dust that your friend would always give you. <laughs> uh, it's like a stupid looking guitar. It's got a bunch of needless stuff sticking out of it. The lights up just to look cool, but it breaks. I'm a big fan of music and rhythm games, but when it comes to those games specifically, I played Guitar Hero at my friend Omar's house when uh, Guitar Hero 3 came out. So this is like 07, 08. Yeah. That's my memory with that. Uh, and then the arcade game, because <laughs> I go to the arcades a lot. Yeah. But, um, I got really good at that game for like a little while. And I started playing other rhythm games like Project Eva. <laughs> and that's the one where you pet, you play, if you pet the girl, you get to play uh, a really, Jap- really one-sided game of rock, paper, scissors. Is that the Japanese one I was playing at your house? Yeah, yeah. yeah. That one's fun. Just ignore the weird... You've had that game for years. I got it when it came out. Which was? Uh, well, it got localized in, I think, 2013 or 2014. Oh, okay. Uh, but it had, been, it had been existing in Japan for a while. But I love those games. I actually really like the Vocaloid games. Those are a lot of fun with the controller prompts going around the screen it's it's a different kind of game and i i think it's fun but uh that's enough of that there's no steve Vai in that there's no this is a project no Vai. this is a project what about that this is project Vai. project Vai. that'd be steve Vai is a big library he has a lot of stuff yeah who else would you be able to play as ralph macchio <laughs> dlc <laughs> Uh, it's not even like Ralph Macchio playing the guitar no like. it's steve Although, Vai playing okay. against steve Vai mirror match so i heard that uh Although it's not Ralph Macchio actually playing the guitar in the movie. No, it's Steve Vai. All of his fingerings are correct. Really? They yes. actually taught him how to do it. Yeah. Nice. Nice. What about his strumming? I don't know. His I think up, his up, strumming, down, up, down, up, up, down? I don't, I don't know. I think his strumming was probably correct as well, but uh, they said the only one that his fingers didn't actually line up with was when he was playing the classical parts. Yeah. <laughs> I don't think it mattered because apparently he did it shittily, according to the teacher. I guess so. Even though he he's a blues man, he's a blues man. He doesn't play the classical music; he plays the blues because he's got the soul of a blues man. Using Steve Vai as a great transition, let's talk a little bit about the soundtrack.
the soundtrack is great. Obviously, it is highly, highly blues oriented. Mm-hmm. Um, the soundtrack was actually done by Steve. Well, Steve I did parts of it, uh, and Ry Cooter, Ry Cooter, who is a uh, a very notable composer and guitar player. So he uh, he was born in 1947 in L.A. and he started playing blues guitar and he is credited on a shit ton of stuff in terms of like music used for movies for crossroads. I think he has more credits than any other thing he's done. Mm -hmm. He was rated in, I believe Rolling Stones top 100 most important guitarists. He was number eight. Oh dang. He is a high, high ranking individual. Uh, He has played with, or he's played on albums like record in in studio albums. Mm-hmm. Uh, John Lee Hooker, legendary blues man. Yeah, Rolling Stones, uh, Dwayne Eddy, and Eric Clapton. And a lot of those guys were uh, highly influenced by Robert Johnson's playing, especially mm-hmm. um, the Rolling Stones. Joe Seneca also played uh, the harmonica parts for the soundtrack. Yes, yes, Joe Seneca is great. <laughs> I, I like this. He's like he's, an he's actor, like he's a musician. He's a dancer for Michael Jackson. Yeah. No, no, no. He was an old man in Michael Jackson. Oh, man. In Michael Jackson. <laughs> he was an old man in Michael Jackson. In Michael Jackson. I don't think Michael Jackson got anywhere near being inside anything older than 12. <laughs> <laughs> the way you... <laughs> Can I just say, like we were, uh, we were talking about uh, last week, I was in Ocean City, Maryland, and I went to an antique shop. That had uh, like a bunch of different little like corners that just had records. Yeah, and I found two Jermaine Jackson albums, both of which were different. I did not know that man put out music to begin with. Neither did he I. He had two full albums. <laughs> oh man, now I gotta look up just in general to see how many albums he has. Tito is my favorite. <laughs> <laughs> I like Janet. Ja- Wait, which one had the boob slip? Janet Jackson. Okay. She's, I think she's yeah. good. <laughs> she's got inducted into the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame recently, I think. I think she was this year. Screw you, Benny. I'm sorry. I'm still hung up on that. I don't see. I'm not seeing. Uh, at least it's not on Spotify. Mm. Uh, but this is very blues heavy. This is very, uh, very much inspired by the story of Robert Johnson and like the old, old time, the like swamp blues. And you a know lot of I mean? the soundtrack, I think, is reworkings of Robert Johnson's music anyway. I, and I like it's a genre that I don't get to touch on much, like even on the the playing stuff on the show. Like I, I really like that, like Swamp Blues. Yeah, it's really cool, like uh, like Muddy Waters and stuff. He was the best. I I actually haven't listened to a Robert Johnson thing. But oh, you should really listen to it. Doesn't have a lot of music because he it did. Now hold on, I want to ask much. right because I, I I don't know much about the Robert Johnson man. Does he only actually have twenty nine songs? Um. Actually, I don't know if by now, because they have like he doesn't have really necessarily albums. He has just collections, um, and they have on Spotify. I know they have like the complete collection of like all of his stuff on there. So they have everything that he's put out at least on line available for you to stream. He was very notable for how his like his specific kind of guitar playing made it sound like there were multiple players like on the recording yeah when it was really just just one person i don't know if it necessarily was the beginning of like the kind of 
later slash modern sounding like Delta Blues sound. Mm-hmm. Or if Delta Blues, that was what I was looking for. That was the word I kept saying. Swamp Blues, Delta Blues, was Delta the, Blues. Yeah. yeah, I don't know if that was kind of the the origin of that style of blues music, mm-hmm. or like specifically guitar playing, or. Uh, if that was something that kind of already existed, but he kind of changed it and made it his own with his, you know, with his specific type of style of playing. And also I read that a lot of the, of his recordings, the reason why his voice sounds so much higher, like apparently he was a very, he had a very deep sounding voice, but the recordings were actually sped up slightly because his voice was so deep. I think they said that they had problems with understanding what he was saying or singing about or something like that. But the recordings that you listen to, like all the recordings on albums or you know online or whatever, it's all the the sped up version because that's how they recorded it back then. Yeah, yeah. So and his voice sounds a lot higher. And I thought, and how they presented, like how they recorded back in the day, I've never actually seen that presented in any sort of way. And I thought that was really cool, which brings us, I think, to the actual like movie plot discussion. Mm-hmm. We begin with the producer of of the uh, the track inviting Robert Johnson in and watching him play in like a weird like he's in a, in in an empty room facing like the corner of a wall but he's like in the corner yeah uh, and that green light goes and he just starts going and seeing that vinyl and all that like stuff being kind of like pressed into it is really really cool to watch and was a very uh, interesting presentation of like okay this is robert johnson because you don't really see him the rest of the movie besides one flashback vignette yeah he's just a legend that's alluded to then that's the thing too is that uh his story is so it's so mysterious because there's not a lot that was known even just about him as a man it's from a part of history that's very very uh i find it's not well kept Mm mm-hmm uh, people who are unremarkable, typically their records are hard to find. I'm not saying that he's unremarkable, but the, it's it's just a matter of like people not keeping records very yeah. well. And I mean, it's it's or if they don't want to, if you poison the man. Yeah, it's sad to say. I mean, it was old, you know, nineteen twenties, nineteen thirties, southern. I think he said Mississippi mm-hmm. was where it's located. Yeah. Southern Mississippi. But, you know, back 1920s, 1930s, uh, Missouri, uh, you know, down deep south, there's a lot of racism still, you know, that's rampant along the country, especially down down in those areas. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, a lot of poor African-Americans that, you know, live in areas that probably aren't generally thought too much about or really kept track of. 
and I think a lot of, he just lived really in an era where if you weren't famous or rich or really anything like that white or yeah white yeah you just didn't really have much many records kept track of or, of you or you know he didn't have anything written about him in the newspaper I think John anything. Lee Hooker is another one of those actually I think I think it's John Lee Hooker like they don't know they don't know quite when he was born mm-hmm. there's like a five-year prediction like window yeah. people think that like let's say it's like 1900 like there are people are saying he's born 1900 people saying he's born like 1905 yeah like it's it's crazy i don't actually know when he was alive for but uh not not all, not top of my head but like that's a that's a wide gap yeah like if you know how old he was when he died which they don't should... which they don't necessarily know how old he was yeah i mean they have a a pretty good guess of where he was born and you know when he was born but it's not they they don't exactly know 100% for sure they don't even know how he died really they have just guesses mm-hmm. they thought that he could have been poisoned he could have been murdered yeah and i, I think the, the only fact that he died so young really just feeds into that his his story about him you know selling a soul to the devil yeah you know you die young like that with especially with as much talent as he had it's like okay yeah, he did. He kind of, I guess, around that time, it leads more to gives that story more credit because, like, okay, yeah, he sold his soul to the devil. He got like this amazing guitar playing skills, and then he just randomly dies. Mm-hmm. And you know, under especially like under mysterious circumstances, nobody knows for sure how he passed away. Like mm-hmm. you know, that leaves the mind to wander. One thing I wanted to mention: the legend of the crossroads, as as follows, which is this is the Wikipedia. Which I, I'll read the Wikipedia entry for it, mm-hmm. but it has no citations, so take it at the face value. I mean, it's a legend. Anyway. It's also this, a legend. It's yeah. not real. <laughs> this is this is the story as as is told uh, according to legend. As a young man living on a plantation in rural Mississippi, Johnson had a tremendous desire to become a great blues musician. He was instructed to take his guitar to a crossroad near Dockery Plantation at midnight. There, he was met by a large black man, the devil. Uh, who took the guitar and tuned it. The devil played a few songs and then returned the guitar to Johnson, giving him mastery of the instrument. This deal uh, made with the devil mirroring the legend of Faust. Uh, in exchange for his soul, Johnson was able to create the blues for which he became famous. So the way they portray this in the movie at the very beginning when they're talking about uh, you know Robert Johnson going to the crossroads... Mm-hmm. Uh, it's not at night. It nope. it seems to be. It, now this is in black and white, but it is very clearly day. Well, does it show Robert Johnson going? Because I know it shows clips of Willie Brown going. Willie Brown go. Robert Johnson goes first, and then Willie goes a second occasion. Yeah, he also he signs finds out about it from Robert. Yes. Uh, he yes he does he does. Um, I believe they show that three times in the entire movie. Mm-hmm. They show Robert Johnson's, then they show Willie Brown's. And then uh, at the end of the movie, they show Willie and Eugene yeah. both at the crossroads. And when they get there, it also turns black. It You notice that Willie Brown is black and white, and Ralph Macchio's character, Eugene, is actually partially color. Really? Yeah. I wonder if they did that because to show the char- or the contrast between the fact that, you know, Lightning Boy still has his soul and he already lost his. Yeah. So that's why he's, you know, in black and white. Yeah. And- could be. It could be. You can get some, we can get on that English teacher level bullshit, but I I, I, know, I buy know. that I buy that <laughs> different uh, lightings and you know the de- the large black man the devil um, who in this case would be Scratch is not present. It's actually uh, his assistant. It's his, Scratch's assistant, 
and he does not just show up. He drives. He's in a car with uh, with a woman, I believe, and he doesn't tune his guitar. And offer the first a time he shows up, I think for not Robert Johnson, but for, for Willie? Willie Brown, I feel like because he was in that older car. Mm-hmm. I feel like he was by himself, and then later on, when he comes in the newer car, isn't I think he has the woman with him. You might be right. I think that's true. Yeah. I'm a bad thinker. Because I think because I think what happens is it shows when Robert Johnson's making his deal, they're both just standing there talking to each other. Mm-hmm. When Willie goes to make his deal, he pulls up in that old old style car. You're by right. Himself, You're right. You're right. I'm seeing that now. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And he, then when he, he goes back later, he pulls up in the newer car with the girl. Yeah. Um, and he offers, you know, is like the contract and everything. Like, oh, you you know, you mm-hmm. want to be all this to sign the contract. He signs it. He signs his soul away, and then. He, you know, he does instead like giving him mastery of the instrument. It's like okay, now he's he. It's it's the blues man signature essentially. Yeah. Uh, and then he asks him for his last three dollars because gas is uh he's low on gas. Yeah. So he takes his money, laughs, and uh, drives off into the black and white sunset. I think that that's such a cool way of like when that when that evil when that presence is on screen, uh, like the world loses color. You know what I mean? Yeah, I guess I could see it that way. I didn't really think of it that way. I just thought it was old. Mm-hmm. Like it was in the past, so that's why it was in black and white because it was yeah. in the, it was in the twenties and the thirties. Well, I'm trying to think. In the that beginning scene of Robert Johnson, was it black and white? Yes, the color. Yes, it was all black and white. The only thing okay. that was colored that had anything to do with the crossroads, besides the end end yeah. scene, was uh, Eugene when him and Willie Brown encounter Scratch. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. You're right. To which he is in color. Willie Brown and Scratch are both black and white, and the rest of the environment is also black and white. Mm-hmm. So, uh, Willie Brown at this point now, Willie Brown is in the hospital, uh, or he's not in the hospital. He's in a like a. He's it's not. It's weird. not. It's a not quite retirement home. It's like a. It's it's, it's a hospital, but he's like. But it's weird how they explain it because it's like it's almost like they said he was kind of like in jail, but for old people. Yeah. Like is a retirement home for criminals or something. Yeah, he he it's it's painted in so many different lights. It's not quite sure. It, old people jail is a pretty fitting one though. Yeah. Um so he's he's you know uh reduced to a wheelchair. He's playing his harmonica and Eugene is trying to he's like I'm trying to meet him. He's he's going to the school to teach, learn classical guitar, but he loves the blues. Yeah. And he was very much inspired by Robert Johnson and he's playing his songs. And by the way, it's not like uh this is necessarily him like learning how to play the blues or anything like that. Like he's already like a master at the guitar. Like he's mo- mainly just bored with his classical music classes because he's always like wanted to play the blues. Yeah, and it's not something that's very heavy on the plot. It's not something that's he's talking about. Like I, you know, there's no there's no fighting with the classical. It's yeah. it's just like oh, this is also a thing that he's been doing. So he's learning guitar, but it's not. He's not getting uh, recognition for it because it's not being done in the way that his teachers are asking him to do it. Yeah. So playing it in kind of his bluesy style and they're like, you know, this is, uh, you know, disrespecting the classical, you know, era and all that. He's like, oh, I'm sorry. You know, the the New York accent comes out. "Um, Yeah. I didn't mean to. uh, I don't know. (laughs) I don't know why he's not. Obviously, his voice isn't that deep, but he is 25. He's older than us. Yeah. at the time of this movie, which is still crazy. He's such a clean-shaven boy. <laughs> I This movie is such a... I guess the plot is so surrounded around like taking 
like the rich. I don't. I mean, I don't know if he's necessarily rich. It kind of sounds like his character comes from like a rich family background. Like his, I don't know. Like his parents both work a lot. And he could be on full ride. We don't know. I don't know because I don't know the way he kind of talked about his parents. Kind of sounded like. They, they sounded like they well had off. enough money. Yeah, they had enough money, but maybe that was why he always talked about why like they were never around or something like that. Yeah, they were probably working a lot or something. Maybe, maybe. But I mean, he goes to Juilliard. That's an expensive school. It is. You it's, know what I mean? Yeah. No, you're right. You're right. Um. So he wants to. Uh. He 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 finds out. Uh. Willie Brown is in this old people jail. <laughs> yeah, essentially, he tracks him down. Basically. Tracks him down. Asks him if he's Willie Brown. Uh. Well, he goes, what does he do when he first gets there? He tries to meet him, and they said, like, no visitors. He, no visitors. So what he ends up doing is he ends up getting a job as a janitor. Yeah. And uh, he goes in, and he's like, oh, you know, he's like, I didn't hear any of this. It's like, oh, you you did all this stuff. And then, you know, he starts essentially uh, proving himself by gatekeeping him. That's like, you know, you did all this, da 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 all the st- uh, everything that had to do with Billy Brown and Robert Johnson, mm-hmm. and he's and he's he's still refuting him. Um, and yeah, he's denying the entire thing that he's Willie Brown, yeah. or the blind dog, and he's like, "I'm just a random mole black." Yes, man. <laughs> blind dog. That's right. He goes, "Yeah, you're blind. Yeah, you're blind dog, right?" And uh, as as he refutes him and basically shoes him away, he goes back to playing his guitar, uh, guitar, his uh, harmonica. Uh, I don't I'm know. not the famous harmonica musician you seek, and then goes yeah. back to playing the harmonica. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> it's like uh, these are not the droids you're <laughs> looking for. Uh, and he's like, uh, "You're blue." He's like, "I'm a blues man." He's like, or, "What kind of music do you like?" I'm a blues man. He's like, "A oh, blues man? Where are you from?" It's like Brooklyn, <laughs> and then he just laughs. cackling, yeah. pointing at him, and then the nurse comes and is like, "All right, Willie, let's take it back to Stop your room." Stop making fun of the rich white boy. <laughs> And uh, and then pretty much kind of the the rest of the movie kind of pokes fun at it. It's like, oh, the blues man from Brooklyn. Yeah. And uh, at this point, uh, later in the night or maybe a day or two later, he comes in with his guitar and actually starts playing some blues. Yeah. And he's talking about, you know, how, well, you know, I'm trying to, I'm trying to like, I want to know about uh, the the songs. Robert Johnson uh, recorded... 29 songs he allegedly had 30 yeah he wants to know that lost song and he thinks willie brown is the only person uh left who knows because robert johnson's willie lost brown was the song. only one that was like super close with robert johnson and apparently he claimed to have been there with him like on the day that he recorded those songs and mm-hmm. whatever mm-hmm. uh fun fact there are only two verified images of robert johnson yep in in life the one yeah. where he's smoking the cigarette on the stool with the guitar on his lap yep and the other one with the guitar <laughs> without a sin, the one without the cigarette. <laughs> so the only way that he'll, he'll do it is Willie Brown tells him he's got to break him out of, out of old people jail. Basically. You know? And he's like, you're crazy. You know, all that, all that. Uh, he's you're like, crazy, man. Uh, and I'll do it. I'll do it. All right. And then we'll get it. You know, we'll get a train. We're going to go. I'll take you to the crossroads. It was super fucking easy to break out of old people jail. Vi- yeah. Well, <laughs> you know, that dude who I thought was pretty ripped for like an orderly was yeah. like, he didn't he do did. a very good job. And it's like as soon as they got a outside. A simple elevator. I know. Stopped this man. And I don't, okay. I don't understand this movie logic, how like you're escaping from someplace and, you know, somebody notices you and starts chasing after you. But for some reason, as soon as you get out the front door, they're like, well, they're gone. <laughs> like, they yeah. don't go out the front door. It's and not to my chase you. jurisdiction anymore. Yeah. <laughs> I'm not in this hall. 
So when he goes to get Willie Brown, uh, he, 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 his room is made, is empty, the wheelchair is gone. Uh, well, the wheelchair, I believe, is there, but he's not in it. And yeah. he's like, what the hell? Where's Willie? Opens the door. Willie Brown Surprise, bitch. Full suit, standing up, totally fine. He had basically been uh, pretending to be in a wheelchair. It was such the a needless time. plot. Like I remember, Ralph Macchio was literally just like, "You can walk," and he's like, <laughs> "Yeah, I can do a lot of other things." Too. <laughs> yeah, I like, go, "Fuck your mother." <laughs> he's like, "Why do you sit in the wheelchair?" I was like, "I don't know. It's just easier, I guess, than walking around using my own two goddamn legs." <laughs> So they break out. Uh, ample man. He was able to keep up pretty well with Eugene. Yeah, he's able to fucking travel around the country <laughs> with this 17-year-old child, but has to fucking sit in a wheelchair for hours and then, Oh, man. <laughs> that dude probably... How the fuck do you... How do you, how do you not become a slob? When you're like, because like when you're actually handicapped, yeah. you know how to handle yourself. Yeah. But if you're just pretending to be that, when people are around, and you're people are around a lot in that, like. But I want to know if like everybody knew he was pretending, or if he they just knew no, that he was lazy. I, I think inside the chair. I think they thought he was genuinely like he needed a wheelchair. Okay. He didn't even they like. Just didn't, they thought he was a piece of shit. Yeah, <laughs> piece of shit, old man, fucking in a wheelchair. No, but literally. He didn't even uh, – he was one of those people in wheelchairs that are so – I can imagine being so goddamn annoying. <laughs> like, I, I, I don't mean any, like, disrespect towards anybody in a wheelchair, but I just mean, like, the people who are in wheelchairs but have, like, use of their arm still. Yeah. But rely on other people to push them around. Like, if they're, like, just, like, in a corner watching out a window or something like that, they're like, all right, I'm ready to move now. And, like, you have to wait for, like, an orderly to come over and then push you someplace else instead of just using your arms. Sometimes they can't around. do it on their own will. A lot of them do. I mean, I can understand, you know, being older, like I said, like, not having the use of your arms to push yourself. But if you have, he can walk. <laughs> like, Will Brown can walk. <laughs> and he still had somebody push him around. He yeah. couldn't just at least push himself around. Yeah. You're already in a wheelchair. Yeah. And then he had his he had his little his You have two limbs that you're already not expending. He had his roll of cash. Yeah. Like, yeah, you got your wallet. He's like, I got my wallet. Yeah. <laughs> Let's talk about that roll of cash. He literally banks this entire trip on this roll all right, of cash. All right, all right. So they get to uh the station. They're going on they're getting on the train to a certain point. Uh was it I can't remember. Was it it wasn't Baltimore? Because that's eastward, no. right? Yeah, no. Uh, or was it Baltimore? I'm trying to remember where they got, like, the halfway point. Was it Kentucky? Maybe. <laughs> or Tennessee? Like, Memphis or Louisville? It might have been, na- like, Memphis. Okay. Like that. Uh, so so they're getting... I I, uh, I will... I, I should have... I, I wish I kind of had the full plot, like, re- like laid out, but I don't want to just be reading off of stuff. Like, mm-hmm. this is all our perspective, but... Um, they get to the halfway point somewhere in the Midwest, which they, they, they say, uh, but I just, I can't remember it off the top of my head. I want to say it was in Kentucky or Tennessee, but it might have even actually been Baltimore. Mm. And he says, you know, uh, you gotta, you gotta pay, you know, he's paying on his, they, they, each, he does this for, he'll pay on this. You pay on that. Yeah. He's basically, he, so he's, he's like, and he's, um, he pays for the. The train at the halfway, uh, they get to the halfway point. And that's point. the thing, though, is even before this trip started, Eugene's like, you know, how are we going to pay for any of this? He's like, I barely have any money. He pulls out the wad of cash and is like, 
don't worry, man. He's like, I got us. He's like, but you got to do this first. Yeah. yeah. And he's asking for favors the entire time. And he he's like, I no, you got to ask your mom for some money. Yeah. Like get, you know, have her wire you some stuff. It's like, I don't, she doesn't need to know, you know, all of this shit. Yeah. You know? Uh, so, you know, he's like, you know, cough it up. And he's like, fine. He takes the roll. There's $40 in there yeah. and a shit ton of like scratch tickets. Yeah. He, he's like, and he's like, Willie, what the fuck is this? And, and he's like, I, like, I, I, I didn't touch this shit. I don't, I don't, like, I, like, I, don't I, I can't see. I can't. He's like, this is, was like, I thought 40 bucks would be enough. He's like, you think $40 is going to get us halfway across the goddamn country? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> to try it. Try me, bitch. <laughs> So he takes it. He's like, "How much? Uh, uh, how much before you dogs get?" He's like, "The guys like won't even get you a quarter of the way there." Yeah. It's like fucking Willie Brown, and he's like, "What are we doing?" He's like, "We walking." He's like, "I guess we're just gonna have to hitch those railroads." Yep. So they become hobos. He's yeah. like, "What do you? Th- would you with a blues man day?" He's like, "What did the blues man do?" Become a hobo. I know. I love how easily he resided to that too. He's like, "We don't have any money." He's like, "Guess we're hobo." He probably was <laughs> hobo. Guess, <laughs> guess we're hoboing. Oh man, you know there's a specific. Oh, I'm trying to remember the word for it. There's a word actually for like older men hobos that like travel around with younger boys. Pedos, pedbos. Well, they do use them for sexual hobos. Uh, <laughs> there's a name for them. So they're hoboing, right? They're hoboing. They're they're hopping trains. They're hopping trains. Uh, he's playing his harmonica. Willie Brown's playing his harmonica. Uh, <laughs> Eugene oh. is attempting to play his guitar without getting like sandbagged by Willie Brown. But I love how, like, okay, so they find out they don't have enough money to make it all the way there. They're like, guess we're gonna have to hobo there. And then all it shows is like they're on a car, like what a bunch of chickens on the back or whatever, sitting on the like the the very back of the trunk. Mm-hmm. And they pull up, and he's like. All right, here we are, Mississippi. <laughs> <laughs> we walking. We made it. <laughs> yeah, the crossroads. Where the <laughs> fuck is the cross? They unpaved it. It's grass now. Eugene says something to really piss him off. Right? Yeah. It's like, a, what if this is all bullshit and or uh, all that stuff? He smacks him in the face. Oh man! No, because he said uh, like, oh, maybe I should sell my soul to the devil. Or something. Yeah. He yeah. Smacks him. He's like. Don't you dare ever say that. Yeah, yeah. I sold my soul to the devil. He sold his soul to the devil. And I got amazing instrument skills. But now Brooklyn. I'm going to die. In the movie, don't they say that the Hellhounds came for Robert Johnson? That's why he died? Yeah. Well, when they're on the train. No, that's not true. I was going to say Willie Brown shot him. Now, <laughs> Willie Brown's admitting that he shot somebody. Right, remember yeah, this? Yeah. Yes, that's why he was in jail. That's why, he, yeah, that's why he was an old, old man. Old, <laughs> <laughs> it's only for old men and women, but especially old men. <laughs> I have one coworker at my job that genuinely just thinks that all old people should die and that they're useless to society. I mean, <laughs> like anytime old people come into my work, he's just like, "Oh man, <laughs> boomers <laughs> eating up my social security." I mean, I feel you. <laughs> I mean, a little bit, a little bit. I don't like the the old people that don't like my generation. When you're old, though, you're not going to want a young person being like, you should die. You're useless to society. <laughs> Dude, we're fucking millennials. Like, I know. 
our our need and desire to kill ourselves outweighs their abilities. Millennials are the most well-planned generation for their own deaths. <laughs> I am totally content with mortality until it happens and I'm like, "Oh fuck." I didn't I know every time you see like a kind of like a post not a post like a cataclysmic event like like say if uh, NASA said that there was like a meteor coming towards Earth, all the millennials just be like, "Finally, like, yeah, just fucking end it." Yeah, Twitter would be prime with meme content. That's why I saw that with that Area Fifty One meme. Uh, yeah, the, the yeah yeah yeah. They were like, you know, no one like no one's gonna be stupid enough to show up to this thing, and like I think you're misunder or like I think you're underestimating millennials' willingness to die. <laughs> willingness to die, yeah, millennial Gen Z, yeah. They are walking to uh, they're they're. they're at this point, they're walking on the crossroads, and they're trying to figure out where the hell this is. Because Willie Brown doesn't really know necessarily where it is, mm-hmm. um, which, which you well, kind of Well, he says he out. knows the town, at least, where they need yeah, to he go know- to. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and he also, uh, on this journey, he's kind of sketching a picture of the crossroads with, like, the tree. Yeah. It has one tree on one of the quadrants. And uh, at this point, it starts raining. And they need to they need to seek shelter. So there's just an abandoned house. And this is where we come across uh Francis. Mm-hmm. And Francis is like she's changing. She's also she's on the run as well. Yeah, basically they're it's just pouring down, so they're looking for a place to get out of the rain, so they just run into an abandoned house. Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. And uh she holds a knife. Uh so a little like a little switchblade up. Or was it something a gun? like that? I think it was no, I think it was a knife. Is it a knife? Uh, she holds like a switchblade up to up to that. It's like, how? Where? What are you guys doing here? He's like, same as you, bitch. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, it's like it's fucking pouring outside. What do you think we're doing? Yeah. Here? And then at this, and then she like fucking uh, like he get, gets the blade from her, right? He's, like, trying to fu- trying to put a knife up to an old man. Like he's playing the old man card again, yeah. but clearly he is he is fine. So actually um, he shot a man and killed him. Speaking of them like being in the rain and traveling around and stuff, uh the guitar that they chose for um Eugene to carry around in the movie, they specifically chose like that. I don't remember exactly what kind of guitar they had for him, but they specifically chose that guitar because of uh how durable it was like if it had gone through the rain oh yeah yes yes and stuff like that that it would still work all of these scenes uh in crossroads are shot on location in mississippi Mm -hmm. so yeah that's it's good that they (laughs) that they did that because you can't get that on a set yeah the scene then they're kind of interacting there the francis is explaining kind of she's explaining as as minimal as she can Mm -hmm. what she's doing she's on the run and uh this is what willie will we're looking for the crossroads all this stuff uh and w- my name's will uh blind dog and who's this <laughs> uh, <Lightning boy. laughs> and then he comes up with lightning boy yeah to which he's kind of just like shake smh <laughs> like and i love how like i love how um blind dog doesn't even question it he's just like yeah Lightning boy. <laughs> and he's like, how old are you? Like 11? <laughs> he's like, I'm 17. How old are you? 17? Oh, I'm like 17. 89. <laughs> and 17? He's like, oh, fresh meat. I'm 89, and this is my, my young second boyfriend. He's he's about your age. <laughs> they call him Lightning boy. Looking to join my convoy. <laughs> of one? 
after after introducing themselves and getting acquainted, she starts hitchhiking. She's like uh, a couple steps ahead, basically, and she's yeah. trying to get. And and this dude <laughs> picks her up, and like, can you and take me to this? Run like, down a, fucking car. Yeah, and this is a sketchy ass looking dude. Yeah. And we, this is what we were making. Jokes she did not hesitate. And this shows like true '80s fashion. Like nowadays, there's no way in hell anybody would get into a car like that. But no. back in the '80s, you know, some random girl hitchhiking around. That shit. That shit was off the lot, new. Yeah, she's like, "Where are you going? All right, yeah, that's cool. Take me there with you." Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and then, and then Willie, she goes, "Oh no way!" And then Willie and Eugene. Uh, get in the car with them. I love how that random car was just happened to be passing by that abandoned house. That had one road to it, yeah. which was to the house. Yeah. This guy, either this guy had a body in the trunk that he was putting in that house. Yeah, can you imagine if he pulled up to this abandoned house and some girl comes out, she's looking for a hitchhike, and then you're just like, oh, crap, oh, crap, oh, crap, oh, crap. Oh, crap. I don't have enough room in my trunk <laughs> for two. <laughs> and then two more come out. We're going to make some crazy money, are you ready? <laughs> so they get dropped off. At, I would have kind of felt bad for that guy if he was planning on killing her. And then he was just like, he's why like, would oh, you yeah. feel bad no, for no, her? No, 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 not her. I felt bad for him. Because <laughs> like, no, I meant, I meant him. I meant why'd you feel bad for him? Because he, you know, he thinks he's lucky. He gets, he gets this, you know, this young girl that comes out and he's like, oh man, a new victim right away when I was just about to dump off my last victim. Like, and then two guys come out, and he's like, "Oh, there, there, there that goes." Uh, do they? This is they get dropped off to the pawn shop next, right? Or have they already no, been there? He, I think they already went there because he already had a guitar, right? Oh God, yeah, you're right. Uh, no, this is they have the amp. So yeah. we totally glazed over this. I, I apologize. Actually, from walking, they go to the pawn shop, and this is where he introduced them to like a handheld amp. Yeah, he's like, "How much will it cost?" And uh, you know he's like, ah, you know, it's it's clearly too much. Hey, you go give him the watch. And you give him the watch. He's like, ah. and and in the back, Willie's like, it's like a four hundred dollar amp. He's like, this thing's worth at least like twelve hundred dollars. He's like, hey, Willie, I don't know why I keep giving him this like pseudo like Stallone voice, but I I kind of hey. like it. I'm gonna keep doing it. Again. Hey, Willie, I'm like a like a blues man over here. He's like, you ain't no booze man yet. And then him and the guy start laughing. And then they go to the house. Uh, they go to the abandoned house where they encounter the uh, Francis. I love how they're just laughing at this white kid who has a dream of being a blues boy. Like, literally every time that Willie meets up with another black guy or, like, black <laughs> yeah. girl and tells him, like, oh, he's trying to be a blues man. They all just laugh at him. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, they're all – they're hanging out. They're doing their thing. Uh, they are, at this point, I believe uh, at the bar where they're playing outside of it mm-hmm. for a bunch of people. They're at, like a, like, a typical, like, southern bar. This dude, this racist – like, this man is – his character is racist. Mm-hmm. Um, like, oh, you're driving away my customers, even though they're all outside. Like, you know, yeah. what the fuck? Uh, but, like – He's clearly pointing out at the at at Willie Brown, like get the fuck off my property. Yeah, and all this, and he's clearly like all this stuff is like super southern drawn. It's it's 
like deep south it, it, racism. Deep, this is some deep south. Uh, again, they're in Mississippi, which is is one of those like this. It's up there, even today. Like up there is one of those like the deep south lives on kind of things. And I love how after that altercation, like this is like the 1980s, and Eugene's like, "Oh man, I didn't know that stuff like that still happened." Like, yeah, <laughs> yeah, right. Like, yeah. how did you not know? Oh well, in the deep south, he's like, "Oh yeah," he's like, "You had no idea." Yeah. Um. What like what what goes on around here around these parts? Uh, so he gets off the property, aka like just to the other side of the parking lot, because yeah. this is like a bar motel. Yeah. Uh, they see Francis go into uh to one of the hotel rooms where she is basically going to fuck this man for money, and Eugene's like, she can't just do that, right? And Willie tips his hat down. You know, you, you got to do what you got to do. He he is a, he's a hobo. He knows what he has had to do to get by. Selling a soul of dough. Yeah. Uh, so, you know, he understands, and, and it, it it's something that he, he bats an eye away from because you got to do what you got to do. Eugene, on the other side, does not. So he goes in, like, we're going to get you out of here and all that. And he's in the shower waiting. Mm-hmm. And she goes, when he comes out, knock him out. Yeah. Like, like hit, like, jump on him, hit him, all that. He's like, what the, what? Are you fucking crazy? He's like, just, just, just do it. And he's like, you know, he gets out of the shower with the towel. And uh, and he catches both of them. And then Willie Brown comes in with the gun. Doesn't he, like, jump on his back? Basically? Yeah, he jumps on his back. <laughs> yeah. He's like, like, for somehow, like, that's going to knock him out. Yeah. Uh, Willie Brown enters with a gun. Yeah. Says, you know, they're both like, okay, and uh, we're going to leave with your car. It's going to return. It, you're going to find it in this place in Mississippi mm-hmm. in 24 hours. You'll be able to find it there. It will be, you know, unharmed, all of that. Mm-hmm. They steal his car. Uh, now they reach the pound, or they reach like some sort of junkyard, and they're trying to make a deal for more money because uh, they, they stole the wallet from him. Don't they sell his car? They they is like well, you know what 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 can I do for it? He's like well that that's a nice looking car you got out there so they, they they get the car yeah uh and and they're on the run all this they they make they make a a sort of safe haven for the night in a barn uh, not just any barn this is the barn of Sheriff Tilford. Uh, this is also the barn where they do the whole stereotypical '80s movie Eugene, who I guess this is in love. with I this hated girl this, now. but After, I also like. I was like, it's inevitable. How long have they been together now? Like a day and a half. Two like days? a day and a half. Yeah, they've been together like a day and a half, two days, and apparently saved her from having sex with a guy to have sex with, to have her. Sex with her. Yeah, that it's basically that whole like stereotypical '80s movie. He's like becoming a man. Yeah. yeah, I mean, like, and then immediately afterwards, they like at least Willie refers to her as like his woman. Yeah, you know what I mean. Yeah, that whole like macho stereotypical like he's graduating, I guess, along his journey from a boy to a man mm-hmm. as he's learning to. Because that's the whole thing is that he's not learning how to play the blues. He's basically learning how to, or I guess he's learning how to like portray the soul of like and like have the soul of, like a blues singer. Yeah, you know what I mean, like because it's not about how well they would necessarily play the guitar. It was more so about like what they were singing about, like the hardships and the stuff that they went through and the soul that was put behind the music. Mm-hmm. That was what was really important. And he didn't have any of that, which is why I think Willie didn't accept him as a, as a true blues player. Yeah. Right. Right. 
so the, the old I'm an old man. Leave me be. Uh, as he's on the bench, he goes to he goes to sleep, and they go up uh, the ladder to that like kind of top part of the barn where. Mm. Feelings happen, and then they kiss. You want to kiss me? And that happens. They do it. In come the police. Oh yeah. Uh, find it. Oh, you're sleeping in Tilford's barn. Hey, Willie. <laughs> you all right? It's like, oh, we got two, like two more. And then, like, you know, Ralph Macchio runs up to the corner, still naked, wrapped in a blanket, which came from somewhere. Yeah, <laughs> like, yeah. And and Jimmy Gertz, uh, not far behind, is like, oh, we got looks, two more up there. Yeah. So they're in the they're looks in like the, these two were up here doing a little danky banky. Yes. They go. <laughs> uh, Sheriff Tilford shows up. There's like you're in Sheriff Tilford. Like he he shows up. They got the backup. You're and in Sheriff Tilford's barn now. <laughs> And he's like, you know, I'm in a good mood. Across this bridge is the county line. This is, uh, you know, I don't remember the last name of that other sheriff. Uh, this is after the other police officers had already robbed them. Already robbed of them. Of their money and oh, stuff. Yes. And he goes, uh, over there is the other sheriff's territory. Mm-hmm. Uh, you go over there, that's his problem, not mine. So you guys better start walking. Mm-hmm. Uh, and Francis goes, he, this guy stole our money. And he's like, you know, he looks up, looks up. He's like, he didn't, he didn't, I didn't see it. So it, you know, it didn't, didn't didn't happen. He's like, that's bullshit. He's like, Willie Brown kind of just weird pseudo, not quite threat monologue to him. And he just kind of tips his hat and they move on away. He starts playing his harmonica. Mm -hmm. And, uh, and this brings us to more struggles. He made sort of that comment about, um, I don't even know how necessarily to describe it, but he was he said that because uh, all the all the police officers were other African-Americans. And he basically made the comment of being like, you know, after being away for so long, he's like, I would have thought that, you know, stuff would have changed. He's like, but it seems like, you know, even this stuff is still the same. And that I think that line really hit hard because he was saying that to other like black police officers that were treating him that way. Yeah. You know. They were using. They were abusing. It's not a matter. It's not a matter of race. It's just a matter of power. And I mean, it's also a matter of almost. I would say, like almost like a self racism because you know you've been put down for so long, and now that you yourself are in a position of power, um, you're just like them. Yeah, you're just like the people who were treating you like shit in the first place. Yeah. At this point, um, fast forwarding a little bit, we we get to. My favorite uh, pair of scenes in the movie, Mm -hmm. Uh, in order to get money again, they have to basically uh, go to these two bars. Now, this town is essentially divided in two. We have your white bar, you have your black bar. And I I actually really like this this scene because of how events unfold and also some of the performances in it. So, Willie gives them the gun. Willie gives Eugene the gun and says, go, you know, go uh, get money. Go rob, you know, go rob the bar. Yeah. I'll be over on this side. And they get in a tiff. They all get in a fight. Uh, he's like, I don't think, because uh, Francis tells Eugene, you know, I don't think he's being 100% with you. I think he just used you as an excuse to get out of that, you know, bum fuck old people jail in New York. And, uh, yeah, she's trying to. I mean, she's basically kind of putting the thought and an idea in his head that he's not, or possibly he's not really Willie Brown, and he's just kind of using him to get where where he wants to go. 
so they're like, I don't need you anymore. None of that stuff. He goes and get, he gets a drink, all that, and he's he's kind of kind of nervous, and he's like, you know what, you know all that. He's like, are you old enough to drink? He's like, I I, I don't have my ID on me. He's like, all right, give yeah, me one like shot, one, get out of here. One after. shot of whiskey is not going to kill you. Yeah. I wish like, what if bartenders operated Absinthe. like that nowadays? Some seventeen year old walks into your bar and you're like, yeah, shot of vodka is not going to kill you. <laughs> uh, almost killed me. Not really, but it felt like it. Eugene is uh, the make, dealing with this issue where he has to drink this shot and then go because mm-hmm. the bartender is like, get out. Francis is finding her own way of getting money by dancing with a bunch of old people and then trying to steal their wallets. Yeah. And then one of the guys finds out, oh, she stole my wallet. Like, and, and, and a fight's about to break out and he's got his guitar on him and all of this stuff. And then he finds out, that he, and then he accidentally admits that he's like holding. He, he's got a gun. Well, that's because that uh, fucking Francis is like, "Hey, show this guy your gun." Yeah. <laughs> he's like, "You got a gun, man. <laughs> Pull out that gun. Whip it out. <laughs> Whip bro. it out, man. You got a gun. Whip out that gun." Because yeah. apparently, nineteen eighties, deep South Mississippi, they're like, and anywhere you can be like, "Yo, man, you, I got my gun. Careful, man. Get a Don't free come gun at with me. your beer. I have a gun." <laughs> And then, yeah, so this dumb girl is literally like, I hate it. I was like, you blew this operation. I know. So this whole altercation is happening. And the guy's like, oh, yeah, sure. You got a gun. (laughs) He's like, pull out a gun. (laughs) Oh, shit. He's got a gun, just like the girl said he did. So the dude's adding up, bartender's adding up, takes a fucking rifle or pistol or whatever the fuck he has, shoots it at the ceiling. Everyone, hold the fuck up. Yeah. We ain't doing this right now. Did you steal his wallet? Did you steal his wallet? And she's like, okay, maybe. <laughs> and he's just like, he gives like a mean face. It's like, yeah. okay, it's over. This entire time he's holding he's like, a fucking shotgun. Don't be mean to this man. He ain't smart. <laughs> and he's like, the fuck? And uh, he's basically, he may be an idiot. I love how after I love how he's defending this man that just tried to probably hook up with this 17 year old girl. He gonna, they're going to fuck. And uh, and he got mad like the fact that she stole his wallet. But his whole argument was like, he ain't bad people. He's just stupid. He's got a wife and kids back yeah. home. I'm like, he has a wife and kids back home. And you're defending him about still trying to sleep with a 17 year old. girl. Deep South tradition. <laughs> So, uh, for those who have watched this movie, or for those who haven't, and if you if you go and you watch this movie uh, after hearing this podcast, when this scene happens and and the bartender is basically guiding this entire uh, scenario now, there are two people uh, flanking him on either side, and the guy on the left is the one that you want to pay attention to because this guy's got some fucking crazy eyebrows. Oh, yeah. do you remember this? Yeah. Holy crap! This guy's got he's like a he's like Zod. <laughs> Almost, he's like Deep South Zod. I could not stop looking at I'm him. I'm guessing those were like his bodyguards, like his like the saloons. Like I don't think he had bar- I think they were just two guys that were happened to be like at that end of the bar that yeah. just got behind him. Like yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. You fire that shotgun. <laughs> like he doesn't need bodyguards. He has a fucking gun that yeah. he fired in his own building. Yeah, he is not How afraid. Much, <laughs> I wish we still lived in that time period of I don't give a fuckingness because like. How many people do you know would straight just like this? Like, he was all he was doing was stopping a fight. That was it. Yeah. It's but, not like, you know, he was in a threat of dying or anything like that. It's not like he was saving someone's life. It was literally just he's about to stop a fight. 
fucking fires a shotgun into the ceiling of his own goddamn building, and he's like, get this shit out of here. He ain't, yeah, it's like, dude, you the ricochet, man. Yeah. Unless you're using, like, a full metal jacket, then that will probably just go through your roof and 30 other roofs. Fucking fires at the ceiling, bounces off a bit of metal, kills one of the guys <laughs> standing next to him. So they've been kicked out of this bar, and they need to, uh, they, they, they so get real only one option. They get real ballsy. Yeah. They go to the black bar to go uh, find Willie. And guess what? They're just as racist at I that know. side. All these, people, all these people walk in like, oh, white people. Yeah, <laughs> like, and they're like all like, you better get the fuck out or we're going to kill. Like basically like the white people one. Yeah. Except they were white there because white are self-loathing, <laughs> I guess. Yeah, except they didn't kick them out in the white people place for being white just because they tried to steal someone's wallet. Right. That's true. Uh, so at this point, like Willie is like kind of like drinking and getting flirtatious with people, and and it, clearly in an effort to like get some money himself. Yeah. Uh, so he shows up, and then Willie goes, "Oh, it's the world famous blues man, landing boy." All this. He gets up on the stage in the mic, and he's like, "Willie, Come up we and got play. kicked out of the bar." Yeah. He's like, "What?" Yeah. He's like, "You better make the like you guys gotta make this place shake," and he starts he playing was his harmonica. Up on the stage, wasn't he? Yeah. Yeah. yeah, he starts playing his harmonica. They start playing the guitar. And it's probably my favorite scene in the movie is just the performance scene yeah. where everyone's happy. Uh, He's playing his music. Yeah. And one of the girls out in the crowd was like, yep, that's Willie Brown. Like, I remember seeing him when I was a little girl or something like that. My mom used to take me, like, he, I guess he used to play at that bar or something like that, mm-hmm. like, way, like, many years ago. Yeah. And she's like, oh, really? I'm friends with that guy. Yeah, <laughs> and she, like, laughs like it doesn't believe him. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, that that's that is a great scene, and uh, they end up getting paid like three four hundred dollars. Yeah, as a result of this, and you know he's all happy. They they get a hotel room, and in the hotel, uh, you know, uh, Willie shows the drawing of the crossroads. So he's like, "Have you ever seen this?" He's like, "Can't say I have." Have you ever seen these two specific it's rows? It's a crayon drawing of crossroads. It's very good, but it's a crayon drawing of crossroads. It's as good as a crayon drawing could be. I know. Uh, she's like, no, I haven't seen this. Like, there's a fucking you know intersection where in Mississippi. There's one of those down the street, and it isn't the one you're looking for. Yeah. Uh, so, you know, he's all ha- like, oh, blues man, Willie Brown, all that stuff. It's like, uh, and then he goes back to his like, oh, yeah. But done I love how the yet. lady, like, he's like, have you ever seen these crossroads before? And the lady's like, no, oh, I never seen nothing like that. Yeah. I'm like, you've never seen two roads in her, <laughs> in her or a tree. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, oh goddamn. And it's 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 ridi- it's ridiculous. He, he's like this man. Yeah, he's an asshole. All this Willie is still not accepting, and even though they just like killed this together it was great whatever they go to bed willie has night terrors mm-hmm. of the crossroads where he this is the the second vignette where willie shows up and like he's doing all that he's he's meeting with uh with scratch's assistant all that signing the contract and he wakes up in a cold sweat yeah he gets up finds out francis is leaving she was on the run to begin with. Uh, just she was running away, and she remembered what she needed to do for her. Yeah, and she wasn't even going in the same direction as them no. originally. They go. They went. They were going to go as far as one place, and then they were going to go in their own ways. It went from literally like them, like them meeting her, 
her having her having sex with Lightning Boy, mm-hmm. and then it turned into uh, immediately he was like, "Oh, we're gonna go start this whole new life together, like you, me, and like Willie Brown. Like we're yeah. gonna go and play music, like maybe be like a traveling act or something like that." Like mm-hmm. all, immediately, he took this random girl that they met and just like shoved her into like his entire future. <laughs> like, yeah, 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 yeah. By the way, just thing that I was I like that can't be like comfortable in the slightest. Um. Eugene and Francis, their room where they're sleeping together, that's a twin bed. Yeah. What the fuck are you doing? <laughs> How you have sex on a twin? You like, gotta sleep on top of each other, like literally, like stacked. I mean, I guess she left, so. <laughs> well, yeah, I guess. Yeah, you're right. You're right. And he's, she's like, you know, he gives it like a, he gives a hundred dollars. Uh, or a hundred of the of the money and the of the monies. And yeah, he was uh, he was uh, gives this girl fucking a hundred dollars to go out by herself, but was completely willing to let her sleep with this random old man yeah. <laughs> for money. Like, yeah, as like you know you you know don't I don't believe in it's like that I don't believe in goodbyes kind of thing. It's mm-hmm. like with but it's not like the goodbye. It's just see you later. It's like I will never see each other again. But I don't believe in goodbyes. Yeah. So it's like you know thank you I'll never forget you and then they go. And then Eugene wakes up. He's like, "Where's uh, Where's Francis?" And he's just sitting there drinking his uh, his morning whiskey. He's like, "Yeah, nope." And then fucking going, boy. He's feeling. And then he goes, "Willie, this is this is the the change. This is the turn in the film." And then he's literally sitting there, like he's feeling sad that Francis just left, and he starts playing the blues, or he starts playing not necessarily almost there. So this is the revelation of the film that I was talking about. He goes, "Can I? I'm gonna tell you something." There was no thirtieth song. Yeah, there was. There was only the twenty. They, yeah, he had twenty nine songs. He recorded all twenty nine of them. Not one missing song. I'm sorry, but I. And, and this is the reveal that like, I needed to get to Mississippi. I needed to get to like where I was. So he starts playing the blues. Eugene and and they're drinking the morning whiskey and and he's like you know. And it's and it's him affected by the sadness, which is a big pivotal part of like the blues, mm-hmm. you know. And that's the stuff that he was talking about, being a blues man, and, and he's playing, and he's just kind of going, and he's improving, uh, and it's very slow. And Willie's sitting there across from the room, drinking the whiskey. He's like, "That's that's real blues right there." <laughs> like like that's it, the real blues. He's 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 like he's there. He's 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 about there. So, because I love how literally, I guess, experiencing some just traveling by like hoboing <laughs> and then sleeping with a girl that you've literally only known for three days and then her leaving all of a sudden gives you the soul of a blues man. Yeah. <laughs> He's like, no, nah, that guy is like that. That kid understands true sorrow now. He understands it and he's playing it mm-hmm. well. <laughs> yes. Yes. So. Two more scenes I want to talk about in this film, one of which is the final scene, and then uh, this scene right here that we're talking beforehand. So they go, uh, he finds an old flame, right? Mm-hmm. Or, or at least an old flame who has since died, mm-hmm. and finds uh, her uh, a daughter, I believe, daughter and, and grandkids. Yeah. And they're talking. It's like, oh, yeah, Willie, I used to know her. All this, and, and this was kind of Because they all woman. used to go to that house mm-hmm. that they were at. Because apparently, she, I guess she said that, uh, or he said that the woman that he knew that was uh, that woman's mother, like used to feed them or something like that. So yeah, like yeah, the, took care of them. Gave him a place to stay. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So he's like, "Do you know, you know, all of this? Do you know about 
have you seen this place? Do you know about the crossroads? It's like, yeah, I can take you to it. Yeah. So they actually get to the 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 proverbial crossroads, which is in fact a real crossroads. Mm-hmm. That part he was not lied to about. This is the part I was talking about. Willie Brown and uh, Eugene are sitting there, and Willie Brown's in black and white, and Eugene is a little more colored. He has a and little the, color to him. This entire time as well, Eugene still doesn't believe any of this no, story. Like, not he at all. He basically thinks that he's just kind of joking around with him. Or he, I feel like he kind of thinks that he doesn't. Eugene doesn't believe it, but I think Eugene believes that Willie believes that it's true. Yes, yes, and Willie says, start playing that blues, and he starts doing it. Yeah. And who shows up? Scratch. Scratch well, shows up. Scratch's assistant. Scratch's assistant. And then doesn't Scratch show up? Because he's until, crazy teeth. Not until afterwards when they take him to go like do like the battle or whatever. No, 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 no. He shows up, remember? And oh, no, no, because he says he talks to him about, uh, he's like, is there any way for me to get out of my contract? And I think he takes him to Scratch to talk about it. I don't think so. They're in that, they go to that weird building. Where yeah, they go to the building where the final battle happens. They were already talking. Was, okay. Because the, the picture that I showed you of Robert Judd mm-hmm. is Does like, Scratch just appear at the crossroads? He just appears. Okay. Yeah, and he's got his crazy teeth. That's where we first see him. Yeah, he's literally smiling like ear to ear yeah. this entire time. It's like, your contract. creepiest smile. It's like, he's like, your contract's not up. And he's like, I'm tearing it. He's like, that doesn't do anything. It's like, you know, what what can we do? All that. And... Eugene goes, I'll, I'll, I'll put my soul on the line, like all that, and he's like, oh, we have a deal. <laughs> yeah, he basically goes, he's like, you know, well, you know, I can't make a deal with you because I already have your soul. You don't have anything to give me. He's like, but if somebody else were to wager their soul, mm-hmm. he's like, then you know, we could, you know, get do something to try to get your soul back. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, and Eugene, not believing in it, of course, is are is a hundred percent ready to throw his hat in the ring because he doesn't believe that. You know, right. Any of this and is Willie is like, you do not do soul. this. Do yeah. not do this. You do not need to do this. But you Willie. Can't convince him not to because, like I said, he doesn't believe he doesn't it. So believe it's just it. like, yeah. yeah. So he's like, "All right." So it's it's on. Yeah. So proceed to the final battle, the battleground. So we go into this 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 strange building, uh, where Scratch and Scratch's assistant are there, and everyone's there, and they're all you know hanging out, having a party, and then the duel is about to begin, uh, to which Eugene has to have a guitar battle with Jack Butler, who mm-hmm. is played by Steve Vai. So when we watched this, and we were like, oh, there's Steve Vai. But Steve Vai is in full 80s power metal leather gear. Oh, yeah. He is not from... dancing around With Deep South, like, almost, like, 20 years prior clothing. Isn't he literally, besides Ralph Macchio, like, the only white guy? No, they're the only two white people in that entire movie. And he's, like, the devil's Or in that entire scene. (laughs) He is the devil. I thought it was funny because I thought Steve Vai would be self-credited. I didn't think his name was Jack Butler. I didn't know he had an actual name. I was like, oh, the devil summons Steve Vai, like a Yu-Gi-Oh card. Oh, man. And he's he's like 80s battle shredding. Yeah. And he's supposed to compete. Like, that's not blues. This is You want to be the famous blues musician, but then he has like a shred off. But he didn't, he didn't necessarily say that it was going to be a battle for the blues. It was just going to be a battle, battle for the souls. Or like, you, you know, how yeah. well you were good or how good you could play the guitar. Mm-hmm. And uh, Steve like, kicks his ass in the beginning. Like, oh, it, yeah. It's it's hard. Like it's hard to compete the shredding with the with with some of the blues that he was doing. But what what does he start doing to like change the tide of things? Okay, so this is where 
I get mad at the movie. <laughs> this is where I get mad at the movie and the plot. This entire movie is about this kid learning to play the or not learning to play the blues, but like learning to get like the true soul of a blues man, like learning how, you know, with that pain and sorrow and in your heart, you can really put your soul into into your playing and really learn how to, you know, strum those chords like a real man. Yeah. <laughs> like uh, <laughs> man. Like a real man. Uh He's, you know, he's in this battle with Steve Vai. They're both going, you know, trading licks back and forth. Mm-hmm. You know, he Steve Vai is pulling out his classic hair metal fucking guitar solos and shit like that. Uh, Ralph Macchio is doing his blues, his, his shtick, whatever, trying to keep up with him. And he's like, oh, man, I'm getting my dick kicked in here. I'm going to need to pull out the classical rock. <laughs> hey, we're going to do some here. We're going to do some classical chords here. Fucking pulls out this classical shit. He's like. Playing this mu- playing the music that he one didn't even want to play in the beginning of the movie, two was going was told to s- he played badly. Was told that he didn't play correctly. Three, what the like, fucking the entire point of this movie <laughs> was so that he could learn to play the blues like the correct way, and he doesn't even use the blues to win against the cha- like this guy against Steve Vai, who was also not using the blues. Yeah. <laughs> He uses his classical music skills to beat him. Your time is up, old man. And Steve Vai does both parts in the movie. So it's a battle of Steve Vai versus Steve Vai. Where classical metal and blues are all used in the fight. Yeah. Proving that Steve Vai is one of the greatest guitarists of all time. Proving that in the end of the movie, fuck the blues. Yeah, classical versus metal. As long as you got that good finger working in there, you could beat the devil. I could not, I still could not, like, keep serious everyone how everyone was dressed and steve fucking vi i know in leather clad i was almost hoping he was like a bar away from assless chaps and somehow because like i don't know if it's some like halfway through this fight this this guitar battle this girl joins in and is like dancing around steve she had already been dancing yeah she'd been dancing for a little while but then i guess willie brown takes it upon himself to be like well if she's dancing around him that means I can play the harmonica and help yeah. him out. Yeah. So he starts playing the harmonica, add him to the blues. The devil didn't make a lot of rules to this match, yeah, That's all right? true. Scratch didn't do much a lot of thinking. He was too busy looking at his horrifying 72 serrated teeth. I know. Uh, so, so what saves Willie's soul? Not the blues chords, music, but classical music. Which Steve Vai uh, tries to replicate in the fight, and he keeps messing up. I know. And what happens? He just drops the guitar and walks off the stage. Even though in the movie production, Steve I played the classical parts and purposely fucked up the classical parts. Yeah. Oh man. That's that's the the, the main problem I have with the, that ending. And that is possibly the most important scene in the movie. Yeah, he gets his soul back, you know, yippee for you what the fuck ever. As a real blues man, Ryan. Yeah. As a real the entire point man. of the movie was just negated at the end. One, there was no 30th Robert Johnson song. Two, yeah, he might have kind of learned to play the blues through like these, it's like, I'm going to call them sub-sorrows. They weren't full sorrows. <laughs> they were sub-sorrows. Yeah. And uh, doesn't even, even end up Don't using his blues skills as a... I'm already dead. <laughs> <laughs> he doesn't even end up using his skills of his newly mastered blues man-edness. <laughs> to beat the devil. True. He uses that bullshit that he was pulling out in the beginning of the movie 
that he already knew how to play. Yep. You know, yep. whatever. That's why the school stopped teaching it. Yeah. He's like, thanks, Juilliard. Not, he's like, I've been spending all this time training and I'm still not a good enough blues musician to beat the devil. So what do I do? Pull out that classical ship. So Willie gets his soul back. Yeah. We return to the crossroads. It would have been funny uh, if he got a soul back just to then die. <laughs> oh, Christ. Stone faced after the fight, stands up, looks at Willie, tears the contract, walks away. Mm-hmm. And and they return to the crossroads where it's like, oh, you know, this really was the crossroads. <laughs> and they both do they do that thing that a lot of like road movies do where you get your, you know, you, you get uh, Willie and, and Eugene walking away. Yeah. And the camera's panning up and outwards. Walking off into the sunset. Yeah. And uh, you get your blues outro, and and that is uh, and that is Finn. That is the end of the movie. good movie man i i really enjoyed it like that, that was a really, really fun fucked me up but, <laughs> but the steve vi parts were really funny because it was entertaining it was so yeah. Weird. Yeah. yeah it was and so weird honestly though the guitar playing that the whole movie is fantastic yeah obviously you know the work of steve vi and rock coder but there there are parts that you know it's like okay i, I there some of them i didn't think were necessary besides kind of like over explaining how we're getting here to mm-hmm. here I I thoroughly enjoyed the movie when we watched it. Uh, it gave a lot of looks into well, one the story of Robert Johnson, which I don't know back in the 1980s, but I know just generally I feel like is not well known at all. Really, no. Um, it gives a, a sort of not a, not a huge look, but definitely gives an insight into um, the state of racism and prejudice in and throughout the South. Uh, I think in, in a very minor lens it does. Yeah, that, uh, not that's what I said. Like not like a huge. Like sense, explaining but, it to to a, a New York kid who had been nowhere else yeah, all his life. Yeah, like even he said in the movie, he was like, "Oh, I didn't know it was still like it's this still in happened, some areas." Yeah, yeah. And it was like, yeah, it, it does, and it. I mean, it even nowadays, I would say, in some like deep South Southern areas, it can get it, it's still like heavy with racism. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So that was Crossroads. That was that was I I very very much enjoyed it as literally talking like it's so true to the theme because mm-hmm. he's a music fan yeah trying to become one of the greats like and Willie Brown and Robert Johnson all he's trying to do is find that last song and you know record it and is he want isn't it what he wants to do is he wants to find it and record it. Because that's his whole thing, though, is he thinks that the song exists, but it never got recorded. Mm-hmm. And he wants to find the song and record it with his own, like, style. Yeah. 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 Because he thinks that'll kick off his blues career. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Continuing on to the theme of movies about the music fan, 
we will be moving on with uh, my first of two picks. Since Ryan began with Crossroads, we're going to begin with mine, which is uh, apparently in my group of friends, I guess, is not they're like this kind of an obscure movie. But I think it's very, very well known, especially in terms of movies about music and partially true stories even. And yeah, and generally in terms like if anyone's talking about like music related movies, I've definitely heard it brought up a lot in those kinds of conversations. Yes, yes. We will be watching Almost Famous. Yes. Uh, the movie Almost Famous. Take a look um, on Twitter and Instagram uh, at both at Mangled Movie Pod, and you will see the information about uh, brief information about that movie and when you can hear that. I didn't know about it at all until really I was just searching for movies throughout this kind of genre. But it is it is a lot. It was a lot of fun. Uh, if you haven't watched it yet, I suggest you watch it. Um, I also suggest that you follow us at Mangled Movie Pod on Twitter and Instagram. Please, guys, we want to get some social media interaction. Uh, DM us if you have any questions about the podcast or anything like that. Absolutely. Or if you have uh, maybe any show corrections or anything like that, like if you hear any uh, misread information or any corrections or anything like that. Absolutely. So we won't. Uh, we probably won't have a lot of interaction for this next movie because of just th- how things have unfortunately laid out for uh, just this first month, we kind of dug ourselves into a corner here, but we're going to move from a less well-known to a more a more well-known movie, which is Almost Famous, which is a Cameron Crowe film. Another one that's kind of a mix of fact and fiction. It's kind of a semi-autobiography about Cameron Crowe's life. Yeah, uh, documented in the Rolling Stone article from 1976, I believe, which I've actually read. I read that entire thing because. Uh, we can kind of get into it more in depth, but that's good. It'll give us some almost famous as band Stillwater mm-hmm. is mixtures of members personalities from other bands that he toured around with in the, in the seventies and sixties when oh, he, okay. when he wrote that story for Rolling Stone, uh, like for example, the main character is supposed to be Greg Ullman or yeah. Dwayne Ullman, I think. Hmm. So it's very, very interesting. Of course, I could totally just get my ass blown out and that be incorrect information, but I'm pretty sure <laughs> it's one of the almonds. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so if you're already following us on Twitter and Instagram at Mangled Movie Pod, uh, you probably will have the chance to send in your thoughts uh, at uh, to our email, triplempodcast.outlook.com, where, you know, give us your full fleshed out notes on this film, any additional things that you caught things that you thought were really cool and important. Any important things that you think that we missed? Yeah, um, quips about the movie that we might not have picked up on that might be uh, things to consider. Uh, like, for example, like you you drew on the race relation thing a little more than I did, mm-hmm. which I think also has value, and it's really, uh, really... I would not have picked up on that. I wouldn't have talked about it. So if we miss anything, we have, we have you guys to uh, tell us what you guys thought about the movie, and we want it to be just as much about you guys... Uh, as it is about just the two of us in the actual studio talking about the movie. Yeah. So for Almost Famous, um, we're asking if you're already following us to send it in on the 31st of when, uh, 31st of July, which is this coming Wednesday. We will be watching the movie tomorrow, the 29th. So this is our, all of the stuff will have happened. But if you follow us then on Twitter and again, Twitter, Instagram at Mangle Movie Pod. When we record Almost Famous on Wednesday, 
we will send out the Twitter and Instagram posts for the next movie that we'll be watching, which will be Ryan's second pick. Yep. If you guys follow us, you guys will be able to keep track for the future updates on, you know, which movie we're going to be watching mm-hmm. when you guys can send in stuff to our email or whatever, mm-hmm. or any, any other future updates we might give you guys. If you have tiny little things uh, that you want to, you know, briefly, like you just have tiny little notes, DM us on Instagram, Twitter. Again, yeah. it's mangled movie pod uh, for both of them. We'll but if you have out. super heavy detailed stuff that you really want to share with us, then we highly us suggest email. email us triple M podcast at outlook.com. Like I said, guys, we would love some interaction with you guys. Absolutely. Uh, and we want to, we want as much of this, you know, we want that, th- the, 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 you want the theater discussion. You want as many yeah. people in like, like that's what makes it fun. So, and we also like picking up on things that we might not necessarily have uh, in the first place. So, that is that. Uh, you can follow me on Twitter uh, at T Panuch, uh, T P E N U C H. And then you can follow me on Instagram at RT, uh, Ryan T. Larravee. Uh, last name is L R A I V E. So if you guys want to do that, give us a follow. Mm-hmm. Uh, thank you guys so much for listening to our first ever episode of the Mangle Movie Podcast. Uh, it's been really fun. I think that we're going to be having a lot of fun with you guys, and I'm hoping that we get some listeners. <laughs> uh-huh. it, this has been a long time coming. This, so like we were saying earlier in, in the beginning, beginning of the episode, where we come from, uh, doing this radio show, Rock Retrospective First, uh, which we started in April of last year. This podcast idea was something that we had been thinking about since before that show started. Yeah. Now we are here. It's recorded. Definitely. so It's just too easy for us to talk to each other for three hours, so we thought we might as well record it and let people listen to it and judge us. Mm-hmm. <laughs> mm-hmm. Uh, so this will be up. Um, until next week, uh, we will see you guys with Almost Famous, and we hope to hear from you guys very, very soon in the month. Thank you, guys. Thank you, guys, for listening. Hope you guys enjoyed the movie. See you next week. We are so glad you came. Bye-bye. 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 Bye-bye now. Bye. Bye-bye. Remember, please discard all candy wrappers and popcorn containers in the nearest trash receptacle. Thank you. Okay, bye-bye now. Bye-bye. Bye. <laughs> okay. Are they all gone? Uh, is, is, there, is everybody gone? <laughs> huh? Good. Oh my gosh, my cheeks are killing me. I can't keep smiling like this anymore. I am exhausted. I think I need a break. A little break? Okay.